Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Section 16 of The Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Book 3, Chapter 3. The Confession of a Passionate Heart. In verse. Alyosha remained for some time irresolute after hearing the command his father shouted to him from the carriage. But in spite of his uneasiness, he did not stand still. That was not his way. He went at once to the kitchen to find out what his father had been doing above. Then he set off, trusting that on the way he would find some answer to the doubt tormenting him. I hasten to add that his father's shouts, commanding him to return home with his mattress and pillow, did not frighten him in the least he understood perfectly that those peremptory shouts were merely a flourish to produce an effect in the same way a tradesman in our town who was celebrating his name-day with a party of friends getting angry at being refused more vodka smashed up his own crockery and furniture and tore his own and his wife's clothes and finally broke his windows all for the sake of effect next day of course when he was sober he regretted the broken cups and saucers alyosha knew that his father would let him go back to the monastery next day possibly even that evening moreover he was fully persuaded that his father might hurt any one else but would not hurt him alyosha was certain that no one in the whole world ever would want to hurt him and what is more he knew that no one could hurt him this was for him an axiom assumed once for all without question and he went his way without hesitation relying on it but at that moment an anxiety of a different sort disturbed him and worried him the more because he could not formulate it it was the fear of a woman of katerina ivanovna who had so urgently entreated him in the note handed to him by madame holikoff to come and see her about something this request and the necessity of going had at once aroused an uneasy feeling in his heart and this feeling had grown more and more painful all the morning in spite of the scenes at the hermitage and at the father superiors he was not uneasy because he did not know what she would speak of and what he must answer and he was not afraid of her simply as a woman though he knew little of women he had spent his life from early childhood till he entered the monastery entirely with women he was afraid of that woman katerina ivanovna he had been afraid of her from the first time he saw her he had only seen her two or three times and had only chanced to say a few words to her he thought of her as a beautiful proud imperious girl it was not her beauty which troubled him but something else and the vagueness of his apprehension increased the apprehension itself the girl's aims were of the noblest he knew that she was trying to save his brother dmitri simply through generosity though he had already behaved badly to her 
yet although alyosha recognized and did justice to all these fine and generous sentiments a shiver began to run down his back as soon as he drew near her house he reflected that he would not find ivan who was so intimate a friend with her for ivan was certainly now with his father dmitri he was even more certain not to find there and he had a foreboding of the reason and so his conversation would be with her alone he had a great longing to run and see his brother dmitri before that fateful interview without showing him the letter he could talk to him about it but dmitri lived a long way off and he was sure to be away from home too standing still for a minute he reached a final decision crossing himself with a rapid and accustomed gesture and at once smiling he turned resolutely in the direction of his terrible lady he knew her house if he went by the high street and then across the market-place it was a long way round though our town is small it is scattered and the houses are far apart and meanwhile his father was expecting him and perhaps had not yet forgotten his command he might be unreasonable and so he had to make haste to get there and back so he decided to take a short cut by the back way for he knew every inch of the ground this meant skirting fences climbing over hurdles and crossing other people's backyards where everyone he met knew him and greeted him in this way he could reach the high street in half the time he had to pass the garden adjoining his father's and belonging to a little tumble-down house with four windows the owner of this house as alyosha knew was a bedridden old woman living with her daughter who had been a genteel maidservant in general's families in petersburg now she had been at home a year looking after her sick mother she always dressed up in fine clothes though her old mother and she had sunk into such poverty that they went every day to fyodor pavlovitch's kitchen for soup and bread which marfa gave readily yet though the young woman came up for soup she had never sold any of her dresses and one of these even had a long train a fact which alyosha had learned from rakitin who always knew everything that was going on in the town he had forgotten it as soon as he heard it but now on reaching the garden he remembered the dress with the train raised his head which had been bowed in thought and came upon something quite unexpected over the hurdle in the garden dmitri mounted on something was leaning forward gesticulating violently beckoning to him obviously afraid to utter a word for fear of being overheard alyosha ran up to the hurdle it's a good thing you looked up i was nearly shouting to you mitya said in a joyful hurried whisper climb in here quickly how splendid that you've come i was just thinking of you alyosha was delighted too but he did not know how to get over the hurdle mitya put his powerful hand under his elbow to help him jump tucking up his cassock alyosha leapt over the hurdle with the agility of a bare-legged street urchin well done now come along said mitya in an enthusiastic whisper where whispered alyosha looking about him and finding himself in a deserted garden with no one near but themselves the garden was small but the house was at least fifty paces away there's no one here why do you whisper asked alyosha why do i whisper deuce take it 
cried dmitri at the top of his voice you see what silly tricks nature plays one i am here in secret and on the watch i'll explain later on but knowing it's a secret i began whispering like a fool when there's no need let us go over there till then be quiet i want to kiss you glory to god in the world glory to god in me i was just repeating that sitting here before you came the garden was about three acres in extent and planted with trees only along the fence at the four sides there were apple trees maples limes and birch trees the middle of the garden was an empty grass space from which several hundredweight of hay was carried in the summer the garden was let out for a few roubles for the summer there were also plantations of raspberries and currants and gooseberries laid out along the sides a kitchen garden had been planted lately near the house dmitri led his brother to the most secluded corner of the garden there in the thicket of lime trees and old bushes of black currant elder snowball tree and lilac there stood a tumble-down green summer-house blackened with age its walls were of lattice-work but there was still a roof which could give shelter god knows when this summer-house was built there was a tradition that it had been put up some fifty years before by a retired colonel called von schmidt who owned the house at that time it was all in decay the floor was rotting the planks were loose the woodwork smelled musty in the summer-house there was a green wooden table fixed in the ground and round it were some green benches upon which it was still possible to sit alyosha had at once observed his brother's exhilarated condition and on entering the arbor he saw half a bottle of brandy and a wine-glass on the table that's brandy mitya laughed i see your look he's drinking again distrust the apparition distrust the worthless lying crowd and lay aside thy doubts i'm not drinking i'm only indulging as that pig your rakitin says he'll be a civil councillor one day and he'll always talk about indulging sit down i could take you in my arms alyosha and press you to my bosom till i crush you for in the whole world in reality in reality can you take it in i love no one but you he uttered the last words in a sort of exultation no one but you and one jade i have fallen in love with to my ruin but being in love doesn't mean loving you may be in love with a woman and yet hate her remember that i can talk about it gaily still sit down here by the table and i'll sit beside you and look at you and go on talking you shall keep quiet and i'll go on talking for the time has come but on reflection you know i'd better speak quietly for here here you can never tell what ears are listening i will explain everything as they say the story will be continued why have i been longing for you why have i been thirsting for you all these days and just now it's five days since i've cast anchor here because it's only to you i can tell everything because i must because i need you because to-morrow i shall fly from the clouds because to-morrow life is ending and beginning have you ever felt have you ever dreamt of falling down a precipice into a pit that's just how i'm falling but not in a dream and i'm not afraid and don't you be afraid at least i am afraid but i enjoy it 
it's not enjoyment though but ecstasy damn it all whatever it is a strong spirit a weak spirit a womanish spirit whatever it is let us praise nature you see what sunshine how clear the sky is the leaves are all green it's still summer four o'clock in the afternoon and the stillness where were you going i was going to father's but i meant to go to katerina ivanovna's first to her and to father oh what a coincidence why was i waiting for you hungering and thirsting for you in every cranny of my soul and even in my ribs why to send you to father and to her katerina ivanovna so as to have done with her and with father to send an angel i might have sent any one but i wanted to send an angel and here you are on your way to see father and her did you really mean to send me cried alyosha with a distressed expression stay you knew it and i see you understand it all at once but be quiet be quiet for a time don't be sorry and don't cry dmitri stood up thought a moment and put his finger to his forehead she's asked you written to you a letter or something that's why you're going to her you wouldn't be going except for that here is her note alyosha took it out of his pocket mitya looked through it quickly and you were going the back way oh gods i thank you for sending him by the back way and he came to me like the golden fish to the silly old fisherman in the fable listen alyosha listen brother now i mean to tell you everything for i must tell someone an angel in heaven i've told already but i want to tell an angel on earth you are an angel on earth you will hear and judge and forgive and that's what i need that someone above me should forgive listen if two people break away from everything on earth and fly off into the unknown or at least one of them and before flying off or going to ruin he comes to someone else and says do this for me some favor never asked before that could only be asked on one's deathbed would that other refuse if he were a friend or a brother i will do it but tell me what it is and make haste said alyosha make haste <laughs> don't be in a hurry alyosha you hurry and worry yourself there's no need to hurry now now the world has taken a new turning <sighs> alyosha what a pity you can't understand ecstasy but what am i saying to him as though you didn't understand it what an ass i am what am i saying be noble old man who says that alyosha made up his mind to wait he felt that perhaps indeed his work lay here mitya sank into thought for a moment with his elbow on the table and his head in his hand both were silent alyosha said mitya you're the only one who won't laugh i should like to begin my confession with schiller's hymn to joy undefreude i don't know german i only know it's called that don't think i'm talking nonsense because i'm drunk i'm not a bit drunk brandy's all very well but i need two bottles to make me drunk silenus with his rosy fizz upon his stumbling ass but i've not drunk a quarter of a bottle and i'm not silenus i'm not silenus though i am strong for i've made a decision once for all forgive me the pun you'll have to forgive me a lot more than puns to-day 
don't be uneasy i'm not spinning it out i'm talking sense and i'll come to the point in a minute i won't keep you in suspense stay how does it go he raised his head thought a minute and began with enthusiasm wild and fearful in his cavern hid the naked troglodyte and the homeless nomad wandered laying waste the fertile plain menacing with spear and arrow in the woods the hunter strayed woe to all poor wretches stranded on those cruel and hostile shores from the peak of high olympus came the mother ceres down seeking in those savage regions her lost daughter proserpine but the goddess found no refuge found no kindly welcome there and no temple bearing witness to the worship of the gods from the fields and from the vineyards came no fruits to deck the feasts only flesh of blood-stained victims smouldered on the altar fires and where'er the grieving goddess turns her melancholy gaze sunk in vilest degradation man his loathsomeness displays mitya broke into sobs and seized alyosha's hand my dear my dear in degradation in degradation now too there's a terrible amount of suffering for man on earth a terrible lot of trouble don't think i'm only a brute in an officer's uniform wallowing in dirt and drink i hardly think of anything but of that degraded man if only i'm not lying i pray god i'm not lying and showing off i think about that man because i am that man myself would he purge his soul from vileness and attain to light and worth he must turn and cling for ever to his ancient mother earth but the difficulty is how am i to cling for ever to mother earth i don't kiss her i don't cleave to her bosom am i to become a peasant or a shepherd i go on and i don't know whether i'm going to shame or to light and joy that's the trouble for everything in the world is a riddle and whenever i've happened to sink into the vilest degradation and it's always been happening i always read that poem about ceres and man has it reformed me never for i'm a karamazov for when i do leap into the pit i go headlong with my heels up and am pleased to be falling in that degrading attitude and pride myself upon it and in the very depths of that degradation i begin a hymn of praise let me be accursed let me be vile and base only let me kiss the hem of the veil in which my god is shrouded though i may be following the devil i am thy son o lord and i love thee and i feel the joy without which the world cannot stand joy everlasting fostereth the soul of all creation it is her secret ferment fires the cup of life with flame tis at her beck the grass has turned each blade towards the light and solar systems have evolved from chaos and dark night filling the realms of boundless space beyond the sage's sight at bounteous nature's kindly breast all things that breathe drink joy and birds and beasts and creeping things all follow where she leads her gifts to man are friends in need the wreath the foaming must to angels vision of god's throne to insects 
sensual lust but enough poetry i am in tears let me cry it may be foolishness that every one would laugh at but you won't laugh your eyes are shining too enough poetry i want to tell you now about the insects to whom god gave sensual lust to insects sensual lust i am that insect brother and it is said of me specially all we karamazovs are such insects and angel as you are that insect lives in you too and will stir up a tempest in your blood tempests because sensual lust is a tempest worse than a tempest beauty is a terrible and awful thing it is terrible because it has not been fathomed and never can be fathomed for god sets us nothing but riddles here the boundaries meet and all contradictions exist side by side i am not a cultivated man brother but i've thought a lot about this it's terrible what mysteries there are too many riddles weigh men down on earth we must solve them as we can and try to keep a dry skin in the water beauty i can't endure the thought that a man of lofty mind and heart begins with the ideal of the madonna and ends with the ideal of sodom what's still more awful is that a man with the ideal of sodom in his soul does not renounce the ideal of the madonna and his heart may be on fire with that ideal genuinely on fire just as in his days of youth and innocence yes man is broad too broad indeed i'd have him narrower the devil only knows what to make of it what to the mind is shameful is beauty and nothing else to the heart is there beauty in sodom believe me that for the immense mass of mankind beauty is found in sodom did you know that secret the awful thing is that beauty is mysterious as well as terrible god and the devil are fighting there and the battlefield is the heart of man but a man always talks of his own ache listen now to come to facts End of section 16section seventeen of the brothers karamazov by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce peary book three chapter four the confession of a passionate heart in anecdote i was leading a wild life then father said just now that i spent several thousand roubles in seducing young girls that's a swinish invention and there was nothing of the sort and if there was i didn't need money simply for that with me money is an accessory the overflow of my heart the framework to-day she would be my lady to-morrow a wench out of the streets in her place i entertained them both i threw away money by the handful on music rioting and gypsies sometimes i gave it to the ladies too for they'll take it greedily that must be admitted and be pleased and thankful for it ladies used to be fond of me not all of them but it happened it happened 
but i always liked side paths little dark back alleys behind the main road there one finds adventures and surprises and precious metal in the dirt i am speaking figuratively brother in the town i was in there were no such back alleys in the literal sense but morally there were if you were like me you'd know what that means i loved vice i loved the ignominy of vice i loved cruelty am i not a bug am i not a noxious insect in fact a karamazov once we went a whole lot of us for a picnic in seven sledges it was dark it was winter and i began squeezing a girl's hand and forced her to kiss me she was the daughter of an official a sweet gentle submissive creature she allowed me she allowed me much in the dark she thought poor thing that i should come next day to make her an offer i was looked upon as a good match too but i didn't say a word to her for five months i used to see her in a corner at dances we were always having dances her eyes watching me i saw how they glowed with fire a fire of gentle indignation this game only tickled that insect lust i cherished in my soul five months later she married an official and left the town still angry and still perhaps in love with me now they live happily observe that i told no one i didn't boast of it though i'm full of low desires and love what's low i'm not dishonourable you're blushing your eyes flashed enough of this filth with you and all this was nothing much wayside blossoms a la paul de Kock, though the cruel insect had already grown strong in my soul i've a perfect album of reminiscences brother god bless them the darlings i tried to break it off without quarrelling and i never gave them away i never bragged of one of them but that's enough you can't suppose i brought you here simply to talk of such nonsense no i'm going to tell you something more curious and don't be surprised that i'm glad to tell you instead of being ashamed you say that because i blushed alyosha said suddenly i wasn't blushing at what you were saying or at what you've done i blushed because i am the same as you are you come that's going a little too far no it's not too far said alyosha warmly obviously the idea was not a new one the ladder's the same i'm at the bottom step and you're above somewhere about the thirteenth that's how i see it but it's all the same absolutely the same in kind anyone on the bottom step is bound to go up to the top one then one ought not to step on at all anyone who can help it had better not but can you i think not hush Ayasha, hush darling i could kiss your hand you touch me so that rogue grushenka has an eye for men she told me once that she'd devour you one day there there i won't from this field of corruption fouled by flies let's pass to my tragedy also be fouled by flies that is by every sort of vileness although the old man told lies about my seducing innocence there really was something of the sort in my tragedy though it was only once and then it did not come off the old man who has reproached me with what never happened does not even know of this fact i never told anyone about it you're the first except ivan of course ivan knows everything 
he knew about it long before you but ivan's a tomb ivan's a tomb yes alyosha listened with great attention i was lieutenant in a line regiment but still i was under supervision like a kind of convict yet i was awfully well received in the little town i spent money right and left i was thought to be rich i thought so myself but i must have pleased them in other ways as well although they shook their heads over me they liked me my colonel who was an old man took a sudden dislike to me he was always down upon me but i had powerful friends and moreover all the town was on my side so he couldn't do me much harm i was in fault myself for refusing to treat him with proper respect i was proud this obstinate old fellow who was really a very good sort kind-hearted and hospitable had had two wives both dead his first wife who was of a humble family left a daughter as unpretentious as herself she was a young woman of four-and-twenty when i was there and was living with her father and an aunt her mother's sister the aunt was simple and illiterate the niece was simple but lively i like to say nice things about people i never knew a woman of more charming character than agafia fancy her name was agafia ivanovna and she wasn't bad-looking either in the russian style tall stout with a full figure and beautiful eyes though a rather coarse face she had not married although she had had two suitors she refused them but was as cheerful as ever i was intimate with her not in that way it was pure friendship i have often been friendly with women quite innocently i used to talk to her with shocking frankness and she only laughed many women like such freedom and she was a girl too which made it very amusing another thing one could never think of her as a young lady she and her aunt lived in her father's house with a sort of voluntary humility not putting themselves on an equality with other people she was a general favorite and of use to everyone for she was a clever dressmaker she had a talent for it she gave her services freely without asking for payment but if anyone offered her payment she didn't refuse the colonel of course was a very different matter he was one of the chief personages in the district he kept open house entertained the whole town gave suppers and dances at the time i arrived and joined the battalion all the town was talking of the expected return of the colonel's second daughter a great beauty who had just left a fashionable school in the capital this second daughter is katerina ivanovna and she was the child of the second wife who belonged to a distinguished general's family although as i learnt on good authority she too brought the colonel no money she had connections and that was all there may have been expectations but they had come to nothing yet when the young lady came from boarding-school on a visit the whole town revived our most distinguished ladies two excellencies and a colonel's wife and all the rest following their lead at once took her up and gave entertainments in her honour she was the belle of the balls and picnics and they got up tableaux vivants in aid of distressed governesses i took no notice i went on as wildly as before and one of my exploits at the time set all the town talking i saw her eyes taking my measure one evening at the battery commander's but i didn't go up to her as though i disdained her acquaintance 
i did go up and speak to her at an evening party not long after she scarcely looked at me and compressed her lips scornfully wait a bit i'll have my revenge thought i i behaved like an awful fool on many occasions at that time and i was conscious of it myself what made it worse was that i felt that katenka was not an innocent boarding-school miss but a person of character proud and really high-principled above all she had education and intellect and i had neither you think i meant to make her an offer no i simply wanted to revenge myself because i was such a hero and she didn't seem to feel it meanwhile i spent my time in drink and riot till the lieutenant-colonel put me under arrest for three days just at that time father sent me six thousand roubles in return for my sending him a deed giving up all claims upon him settling our accounts so to speak and saying that i wouldn't expect anything more i didn't understand a word of it at the time until i came here alyosha till the last few days indeed perhaps even now i haven't been able to make head or tail of my money affairs with father but never mind that we'll talk of it later just as i received the money i got a letter from a friend telling me something that interested me immensely the authorities i learnt were dissatisfied with our lieutenant-colonel he was suspected of irregularities in fact his enemies were preparing a surprise for him and then the commander of the division arrived and kicked up the devil of a shindy shortly afterwards he was ordered to retire i won't tell you how it all happened he had enemies certainly suddenly there was a marked coolness in the town towards him and all his family his friends all turned their backs on him then i took my first step i met agafia ivanovna with whom i had always kept up a friendship and said do you know there's a deficit of four thousand five hundred roubles of government money in your father's accounts what do you mean what makes you say so the general was here not long ago and everything was all right then it was but now it isn't she was terribly scared don't frighten me she said who told you so don't be uneasy i said i won't tell anyone you know i'm as silent as the tomb i only wanted in view of possibilities to add that when they demand that four thousand five hundred roubles from your father and he can't produce it he'll be tried and made to serve as a common soldier in his old age unless you like to send me your young lady secretly i've just had money paid me i'll give her four thousand if you like and keep the secret religiously ah you scoundrel that's what she said you wicked scoundrel how dare you she went away furiously indignant while i shouted after her once more that the secret should be kept sacred those two simple creatures agafia and her aunt i may as well say at once behaved like perfect angels all through this business they genuinely adored their katya thought her far above them and waited on her hand and foot but agafia told her of our conversation i found that out afterwards she didn't keep it back and of course that was all i wanted suddenly the new major arrived to take command of the battalion 
the old lieutenant-colonel was taken ill at once couldn't leave his room for two days and didn't hand over the government money dr kovchenko declared that he really was ill but i knew for a fact and had known for a long time that for the last four years the money had never been in his hands except when the commander made his visits of inspection he used to lend it to a trustworthy person a merchant of our town called trifonov an old widower with a big beard and gold-rimmed spectacles he used to go to the fair do a profitable business with the money and return the whole sum to the colonel bringing with it the present from the fair as well as interest on the loan but this time i heard all about it quite by chance from trifonov's son and heir a driveling youth and one of the most vicious in the world this time i say trifonov brought nothing back from the fair the lieutenant-colonel flew to him i've never received any money from you and couldn't possibly have received any that was all the answer he got so now our lieutenant-colonel is confined to the house with a towel round his head while they're all three busy putting ice on it and all at once an orderly arrives on the scene with the book and the order to hand over the battalion money immediately within two hours he signed the book i saw the signature in the book afterwards stood up saying he would put on his uniform ran to his bedroom loaded his double-barreled gun with a service bullet took the boot off his right foot fixed the gun against his chest and began feeling for the trigger with his foot but agafia remembering what i had told her had her suspicions she stole up and peeped into the room just in time she rushed in flung herself upon him from behind threw her arms round him and the gun went off hit the ceiling but hurt no one the others ran in took away the gun and held him by the arms i heard all about this afterwards i was at home it was getting dusk and i was just preparing to go out i had dressed brushed my hair centred my handkerchief and taken up my cap when suddenly the door opened and facing me in the room stood katerina ivanovna it's strange how things happen sometimes no one had seen her in the street so that no one knew of it in the town i lodged with two decrepit old ladies who looked after me they were the most obliging old things ready to do anything for me and at my request were as silent afterwards as two cast-iron posts of course i grasped the position at once she walked in and looked straight at me her dark eyes determined even defiant but on her lips and round her mouth i saw uncertainty my sister told me she began that you would give me four thousand five hundred roubles if i came to you for it myself i have come give me the money she couldn't keep it up she was breathless frightened her voice failed her and the corners of her mouth and the lines round it quivered alyosha are you listening or are you asleep mitya i know you will tell the whole truth said alyosha in agitation i am telling it if i tell the whole truth just as it happened i shan't spare myself my first idea was a karamazov one once i was bitten by a centipede brother and laid up a fortnight with fever from it well i felt a centipede biting at my heart then a noxious insect you understand i looked her up and down you've seen her she's a beauty 
but she was beautiful in another way then at that moment she was beautiful because she was noble and i was a scoundrel she in all the grandeur of her generosity and sacrifice for her father and i a bug and scoundrel as i was she was altogether at my mercy body and soul she was hemmed in i tell you frankly that thought that venomous thought so possessed my heart that it almost swooned with suspense it seemed as if there could be no resisting it as though i should act like a bug like a venomous spider without a spark of pity i could scarcely breathe understand i should have gone next day to ask for her hand so that it might end honourably so to speak and that nobody would or could know for though i'm a man of base desires i'm honest and at that very second some voice seemed to whisper in my ear but when you come to-morrow to make your proposal that girl won't even see you she'll order her coachman to kick you out of the yard publish it through all the town she would say i'm not afraid of you i looked at the young lady my voice had not deceived me that is how it would be not a doubt of it i could see from her face now that i should be turned out of the house my spite was roused i longed to play her the nastiest swinish cad's trick to look at her with a sneer and on the spot where she stood before me to stun her with a tone of voice that only a shopman could use four thousand what do you mean i was joking you've been counting your chickens too easily madam two hundred if you like with all my heart but four thousand is not a sum to throw away on such frivolity you've put yourself out to no purpose i should have lost the game of course she'd have run away but it would have been an infernal revenge it would have been worth it all i'd have howled with regret all the rest of my life only to have played that trick would you believe it it has never happened to me with any other woman not one to look at her at such a moment with hatred but on my oath i looked at her for three seconds or five perhaps with fearful hatred that hate which is only a hair's breadth from love from the maddest love i went to the window put my forehead against the frozen pane and i remember the ice burnt my forehead like fire i did not keep her long don't be afraid i turned round went up to the table opened the drawer and took out a banknote for five thousand roubles it was lying in a french dictionary then i showed it her in silence folded it handed it to her opened the door into the passage and stepping back made her a deep bow a most respectful a most impressive bow believe me she shuddered all over gazed at me for a second turned horribly pale white as a sheet in fact and all at once not impetuously but softly gently bowed down to my feet not a boarding-school curtsy but a russian bow with her forehead to the floor she jumped up and ran away i was wearing my sword i drew it and nearly stabbed myself with it on the spot why i don't know it would have been frightfully stupid of course i suppose it was from delight 
can you understand that one might kill oneself from delight but i didn't stab myself i only kissed my sword and put it back in the scabbard which there was no need to have told you by the way and i fancy that in telling you about my inner conflict i have laid it on rather thick to glorify myself but let it pass and to hell with all who pry into the human heart well so much for that adventure with katerina ivanovna so now ivan knows of it and you no one else dmitri got up took a step or two in his excitement pulled out his handkerchief and mopped his forehead and then sat down again not in the same place as before but on the opposite side so that alyosha had to turn quite round to face him End of section seventeen. Section eighteen of the Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Book three, chapter five. The confession of a passionate heart heals up. Now, said Alyosha, I understand the first half. You understand the first half. That half is a drama, and it was played out there the second half is a tragedy and it is being acted here and i understand nothing of that second half so far said alyosha and i do you suppose i understand it stop dmitri there's one important question tell me you were betrothed you are betrothed still we weren't betrothed at once not for three months after that adventure the next day i told myself that the incident was closed concluded that there would be no sequel it seemed to me caddish to make her an offer on her side she gave no sign of life for the six weeks that she remained in the town except indeed for one action the day after her visit the maid-servant slipped round with an envelope addressed to me i tore it open it contained the change out of the banknote only four thousand five hundred roubles was needed but there was a discount of about two hundred on changing it she only sent me about two hundred and sixty i don't remember exactly but not a note not a word of explanation i searched the packet for a pencil mark n nothing well i spent the rest of the money on such an orgy that the new major was obliged to reprimand me well the lieutenant-colonel produced the battalion money to the astonishment of every one for nobody believed that he had the money untouched he'd no sooner paid it than he fell ill took to his bed and three weeks later softening of the brain set in and he died five days afterwards he was buried with military honors for he had not had time to receive his discharge ten days after his funeral katerina ivanovna with her aunt and sister went to moscow and behold on the very day they went away i hadn't seen them didn't see them off or take leave i received a tiny note a sheet of thin blue paper and on it only one line in pencil i will write to you wait k and that was all i'll explain the rest now in two words in moscow their fortunes changed with the swiftness of lightning and the unexpectedness of an arabian fairy tale 
that general's widow their nearest relation suddenly lost the two nieces who were her heiresses and next of kin both died in the same week of smallpox the old lady prostrated with grief welcomed katya as a daughter as her one hope clutched at her altered her will in katya's favour but that concerned the future meanwhile she gave her for present use eighty thousand roubles as a marriage portion to do what she liked with she was an hysterical woman i saw something of her in moscow later well suddenly i received by post four thousand five hundred roubles i was speechless with surprise as you may suppose three days later came the promised letter i have it with me now you must read it she offers to be my wife offers herself to me i love you madly she says even if you don't love me never mind be my husband don't be afraid i won't hamper you in any way i will be your chattel i will be the carpet under your feet i want to love you forever i want to save you from yourself alyosha i am not worthy to repeat those lines in my vulgar words and in my vulgar tone my everlastingly vulgar tone but i can never cure myself of that letter stabs me even now do you think i don't mind that i don't mind still i wrote her an answer at once as it was impossible for me to go to moscow i wrote to her with tears one thing i shall be ashamed of forever i referred to her being rich and having a dowry while i was only a stuck-up beggar i mentioned money i ought to have borne it in silence but it slipped from my pen then i wrote at once to ivan and told him all i could about it in a letter of six pages and sent him to her why do you look like that why are you staring at me yes ivan fell in love with her he's in love with her still i know that i did a stupid thing in the world's opinion but perhaps that one stupid thing may be the saving of us all now oh don't you see what a lot she thinks of ivan how she respects him when she compares us do you suppose she can love a man like me especially after all that has happened here but i am convinced that she does love a man like you and not a man like him she loves her own virtue not me the words broke involuntarily and almost malignantly from dmitri he laughed but a minute later his eyes gleamed he flushed crimson and struck the table violently with his fist i swear alyosha he cried with intense and genuine anger at himself you may not believe me but as god is holy and as christ is god i swear that though i smiled at her lofty sentiments just now i know that i am a million times baser in soul than she and that these lofty sentiments of hers are as sincere as a heavenly angel's that's the tragedy of it that i know that for certain what if anyone does show off a bit don't i do it myself and yet i'm sincere i'm sincere as for ivan i can understand how he must be cursing nature now with his intellect too to see the preference given to whom to what to a monster who though he is betrothed and all eyes are fixed on him can't restrain his debaucheries and before the very eyes of his betrothed and a man like me is preferred while he is rejected and why 
because a girl wants to sacrifice her life and destiny out of gratitude it's ridiculous i've never said a word of this to ivan and ivan of course has never dropped a hint of the sort to me but destiny will be accomplished and the best man will hold his ground while the undeserving one will vanish into his back alley for ever his filthy back alley his beloved back alley where he is at home and where he will sink in filth and stench at his own free will and with enjoyment i've been talking foolishly i've no words left i use them at random but it will be as i have said i shall drown in the back alley and she will marry ivan stop dmitri alyosha interrupted again with great anxiety there's one thing you haven't made clear yet you are still betrothed all the same aren't you how can you break off the engagement if she your betrothed doesn't want to yes formally and solemnly betrothed it was all done on my arrival in moscow with great ceremony with icons all in fine style the general's wife blessed us and would you believe it congratulated katya you've made a good choice she said i see right through him and would you believe it she didn't like ivan and hardly greeted him i had a lot of talk with katya in moscow i told her about myself sincerely honorably she listened to everything there was sweet confusion there were tender words though there were proud words too she wrung out of me a mighty promise to reform i gave my promise and here what why i called to you and brought you out here to-day this very day remember it to send you this very day again to katerina ivanovna and what to tell her that i shall never come to see her again say he sends you his compliments but is that possible that's just the reason i'm sending you in my place because it's impossible and how could i tell her myself and where are you going to the back alley to grushenka then alyosha exclaimed mournfully clasping his hands can rakitin really have told the truth i thought that you had just visited her and that was all can a betrothed man pay such visits is such a thing possible and with such a betrothed and before the eyes of all the world confound it i have some honour as soon as i began visiting grushenka i ceased to be betrothed and to be an honest man i understand that why do you look at me you see i went in the first place to beat her i had heard and i know for a fact now that that captain father's agent had given grushenka an i o u of mine for her to sue me for payment so as to put an end to me they wanted to scare me i went to beat her i had had a glimpse of her before she doesn't strike one at first sight i knew about her old merchant who's lying ill now paralyzed but he's leaving her a decent little sum i knew too that she was fond of money that she hoarded it and lent it at a wicked rate of interest that she's a merciless cheat and swindler i went to beat her and i stayed the storm broke it struck me down like the plague 
i'm plague-stricken still and i know that everything is over that there will never be anything more for me the cycle of the ages is accomplished that's my position and though i'm a beggar as fate would have it i had three thousand just then in my pocket i drove with grushenka to Macro, a place twenty-five versts from here i got gypsies there and champagne and made all the peasants there drunk on it and all the women and girls i sent the thousands flying in three days time i was stripped bare but a hero do you suppose the hero had gained his end not a sign of it from her i tell you that rogue grushenka has a supple curve all over her body you can see it in her little foot even in her little toe i saw it and kissed it but that was all i swear i'll marry you if you like she said you're a beggar you know say that you won't beat me and will let me do anything i choose and perhaps i will marry you she laughed and she's laughing still dmitri leapt up with a sort of fury he seemed all at once as though he were drunk his eyes became suddenly bloodshot and do you really mean to marry her at once if she will and if she won't i shall stay all the same i'll be the porter at her gate alyosha he cried he stopped short before him and taking him by the shoulders began shaking him violently do you know you innocent boy that this is all delirium senseless delirium for there's a tragedy here let me tell you alexey that i may be a low man with low and degraded passions but a thief and a pickpocket dmitri karamazov never can be well then let me tell you that i am a thief and a pickpocket that very morning just before i went to beat grushenka katerina ivanovna sent for me and in strict secrecy why i don't know i suppose she had some reason asked me to go to the chief town of the province and to post three thousand roubles to agafia ivanovna in moscow so that nothing should be known of it in the town here so i had that three thousand roubles in my pocket when i went to see grushenka and it was that money we spent at Macro. afterwards i pretended i had been to the town but did not show her the post-office receipt i said i had sent the money and would bring the receipt and so far i haven't brought it i've forgotten it now what do you think you're going to her to-day to say he sends his compliments and she'll ask you what about the money you might still have said to her he's a degraded sensualist and a low creature with uncontrolled passions he didn't send your money then but wasted it because like a low brute he couldn't control himself but still you might have added he isn't a thief though here is your three thousand he sends it back send it yourself to agafia ivanovna but he told me to say he sends his compliments but as it is she will ask but where is the money mitya you are unhappy yes but not as unhappy as you think don't worry yourself to death with despair what do you suppose i'd shoot myself because i can't get three thousand to pay back that's just it i shan't shoot myself i haven't the strength now 
afterwards perhaps but now i'm going to grushenka i don't care what happens and what then i'll be her husband if she deigns to have me and when lovers come i'll go to the next room i'll clean her friends galoshes blow up their samovar run their errands katerina ivanovna will understand it all alyosha said solemnly she'll understand how great this trouble is and will forgive she has a lofty mind and no one could be more unhappy than you she'll see that for herself she won't forgive everything said dmitri with a grin there's something in it brother that no woman could forgive do you know what would be the best thing to do what pay back the three thousand where can we get it from i say i have two thousand ivan will give you another thousand that makes three take it and pay it back and when would you get it your three thousand you're not of age besides and you must you absolutely must take my farewell to her to-day with the money or without it for i can't drag on any longer things have come to such a pass to-morrow is too late i shall send you to father to father yes to father first ask him for three thousand but mitya he won't give it as though he would i know he won't do you know the meaning of despair alexey yes listen legally he owes me nothing i've had it all from him i know that but morally he owes me something doesn't he you know he started with twenty-eight thousand of my mother's money and made a hundred thousand with it let him give me back only three out of the twenty-eight thousand and he'll draw my soul out of hell and it will atone for many of his sins for that three thousand i give you my solemn word i'll make an end of everything and he shall hear nothing more of me for the last time i give him the chance to be a father tell him god himself sends him this chance mitya he won't give it for anything i know he won't i know it perfectly well now especially that's not all i know something more now only a few days ago perhaps only yesterday he found out for the first time in earnest underline in earnest that grushenka is really perhaps not joking and really means to marry me he knows her nature he knows the cat and do you suppose he's going to give me money to help to bring that about when he's crazy about her himself and that's not all either i can tell you more than that i know that for the last five days he has had three thousand drawn out of the bank changed into notes of a hundred roubles packed into a large envelope sealed with five seals and tied across with red tape you see how well i know all about it on the envelope is written to my angel grushenka when she will come to me he scrawled it himself in silence and in secret and no one knows that the money's there except the valet smerdyakov whom he trusts like himself so now he has been expecting grushenka for the last three or four days he hopes she'll come for the money he has sent her word of it and she has sent him word that perhaps she'll come and if she does go to the old man can i marry her after that you understand now why i'm here 
in secret and what i'm on the watch for for her yes for her foma has a room in the house of these sluts here foma comes from our parts he was a soldier in our regiment he does jobs for them he's watchman at night and goes grouse shooting in the daytime and that's how he lives i've established myself in his room neither he nor the women of the house know the secret that is that i am on the watch here no one but smerdyakov knows then no one else he will let me know if she goes to the old man it was he told you about the money then yes it's a dead secret even ivan doesn't know about the money or anything the old man is sending ivan to chermashnia on a two or three days journey a purchaser has turned up for the copse he'll give eight thousand for the timber so the old man keeps asking ivan to help him by going to arrange it it will take him two or three days that's what the old man wants so that grushenka can come while he's away then he's expecting grushenka today no she won't come today there are signs she's certain not to come cried mitya suddenly smerdyakov thinks so too father's drinking now he's sitting at table with ivan go to him alyosha and ask for the three thousand mitya dear what's the matter with you cried alyosha jumping up from his place and looking keenly at his brother's frenzied face for one moment the thought struck him that dmitri was mad what is it i'm not insane said dmitri looking intently and earnestly at him no fear i am sending you to father and i know what i'm saying i believe in miracles in miracles in a miracle of divine providence god knows my heart he sees my despair he sees the whole picture surely he won't let something awful happen alyosha i believe in miracles go i am going tell me will you wait for me here yes i know it will take some time you can't go at him point-blank he's drunk now i'll wait three hours four five six seven only remember you must go to katerina ivanovna to-day if it has to be at midnight with the money or without the money and say he sends his compliments to you i want you to say that verse to her he sends his compliments to you mitya and what if grushenka comes to-day if not to-day to-morrow or the next day grushenka i shall see her i shall rush out and prevent it and if if there's an if it will be murder i couldn't endure it who will be murdered the old man i shan't kill her brother what are you saying oh i don't know i don't know perhaps i shan't kill and perhaps i shall i'm afraid that he will suddenly become so loathsome to me with his face at that moment i hate his ugly throat his nose his eyes his shameless snigger i feel a physical repulsion that's what i'm afraid of that's what may be too much for me i'll go mitya i believe that god will order things for the best that nothing awful may happen and i will sit and wait for the miracle and if it doesn't come to pass alyosha went thoughtfully towards his father's house End of section 18
Section nineteen of the Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Book three, chapter six. Smerdyakov. He did, in fact, find his father still at table. Though there was a dining-room in the house, the table was laid as usual in the drawing-room, which was the largest room, and furnished with old-fashioned ostentation. The furniture was white and very old, upholstered in old red silky material. In the spaces between the windows there were mirrors in elaborate white and gilt frames of old-fashioned carving. On the walls, covered with white paper which was torn in many places, there hung two large portraits one of some prince who had been governor of the district thirty years before and the other of some bishop also long since dead in the corner opposite the door there were several icons before which a lamp was lighted at nightfall not so much for devotional purposes as to light the room fyodor pavlovitch used to go to bed very late at three or four o'clock in the morning and would wander about the room at night or sit in an armchair thinking this had become a habit with him he often slept quite alone in the house sending his servants to the lodge but usually smerdyakov remained sleeping on a bench in the hall when alyosha came in dinner was over but coffee and preserves had been served fyodor pavlovitch liked sweet things with brandy after dinner ivan was also at table sipping coffee the servants grigory and smerdyakov were standing by both the gentlemen and the servants seemed in singularly good spirits fyodor pavlovitch was roaring with laughter before he entered the room alyosha heard the shrill laugh he knew so well and could tell from the sound of it that his father had only reached the good-humoured stage and was far from being completely drunk here he is here he is yelled fyodor pavlovitch highly delighted at seeing alyosha join us sit down coffee is a lenten dish but it's hot and good i don't offer you brandy you're keeping the fast but would you like some no i'd better give you some of our famous liqueur smerdyakov go to the cupboard the second shelf on the right here are the keys look sharp alyosha began refusing the liqueur never mind if you won't have it we will said fyodor pavlovitch beaming but stay have you dined yes answered alyosha who had in truth only eaten a piece of bread and drunk a glass of kvass in the father superior's kitchen though i should be pleased to have some hot coffee bravo my darling he'll have some coffee does it want warming no it's boiling it's capital coffee smerdyakov's making my smerdyakov's an artist at coffee and at fish patties and at fish soup too you must come one day and have some fish soup let me know beforehand but stay didn't i tell you this morning to come home with your mattress and pillow and all have you brought your mattress <laughs> no i haven't said alyosha smiling too ah but you were frightened you were frightened this morning weren't you there my darling i couldn't do anything to vex you do you know ivan i can't resist the way he looks one straight in the face and laughs it makes me laugh all over i'm so fond of him alyosha let me give you my blessing a father's blessing alyosha rose but fyodor pavlovitch had already changed his mind 
no no he said i'll just make the sign of the cross over you for now sit still now we've a treat for you in your own line too it'll make you laugh balaam's ass has begun talking to us here and how he talks how he talks balaam's ass it appeared was the valet smerdyakov he was a young man of about four-and-twenty remarkably unsociable and taciturn not that he was shy or bashful on the contrary he was conceited and seemed to despise everybody but we must pause to say a few words about him now he was brought up by grigory and marfa but the boy grew up with no sense of gratitude as grigory expressed it he was an unfriendly boy and seemed to look at the world mistrustfully in his childhood he was very fond of hanging cats and burying them with great ceremony he used to dress up in a sheet as though it were a surplice and sang and waved some object over the dead cat as though it were a censer all this he did on the sly with the greatest secrecy grigory caught him once at this diversion and gave him a sound beating he shrank into a corner and sulked there for a week he doesn't care for you or me the monster grigory used to say to marfa and he doesn't care for anyone are you a human being he said addressing the boy directly you're not a human being you grew from the mildew in the bathhouse that's what you are smerdyakov it appeared afterwards could never forgive him those words grigory taught him to read and write and when he was twelve years old began teaching him the scriptures but this teaching came to nothing at the second or third lesson the boy suddenly grinned what's that for asked grigory looking at him threateningly from under his spectacles oh nothing god created light on the first day and the sun moon and stars on the fourth day where did the light come from on the first day grigory was thunderstruck the boy looked sarcastically at his teacher there was something positively condescending in his expression grigory could not restrain himself i'll show you where he cried and gave the boy a violent slap on the cheek the boy took the slap without a word but withdrew into his corner again for some days a week later he had his first attack of the disease to which he was subject all the rest of his life epilepsy when fyodor pavlovitch heard of it his attitude to the boy seemed changed at once till then he had taken no notice of him though he never scolded him and always gave him a kopeck when he met him sometimes when he was in good humor he would send the boy something sweet from his table but as soon as he heard of his illness he showed an active interest in him sent for a doctor and tried remedies but the disease turned out to be incurable the fits occurred on an average once a month but at various intervals the fits varied too in violence some were light and some were very severe fyodor pavlovitch strictly forbade grigory to use corporal punishment to the boy and began allowing him to come upstairs to him he forbade him to be taught anything whatever for a time too one day when the boy was about fifteen fyodor pavlovitch noticed him lingering by the bookcase and reading the titles through the glass 
fyodor pavlovitch had a fair number of books over a hundred but no one ever saw him reading he at once gave smerdyakov the key of the bookcase come read you shall be my librarian you'll be better sitting reading than hanging about the courtyard come read this and fyodor pavlovitch gave him evenings in a cottage near dikanka he read a little but didn't like it he did not once smile and ended by frowning why isn't it funny asked fyodor pavlovitch smerdyakov did not speak answer stupid it's all untrue mumbled the boy with a grin then go to the devil you have the soul of a lackey stay here's smaragdov's universal history that's all true read that but smerdyakov did not get through ten pages of smaragdov he thought it dull so the bookcase was closed again shortly afterwards marfa and grigory reported to fyodor pavlovitch that smerdyakov was gradually beginning to show an extraordinary fastidiousness he would sit before his soup take up his spoon and look into the soup bend over it examine it take a spoonful and hold it to the light what is it a beetle grigory would ask a fly perhaps observed marfa the squeamish youth never answered but he did the same with his bread his meat and everything he ate he would hold a piece on his fork to the light scrutinize it microscopically and only after long deliberation decide to put it in his mouth ah what fine gentleman's airs grigory muttered looking at him when fyodor pavlovitch heard of this development in smerdyakov he determined to make him his cook and sent him to moscow to be trained he spent some years there and came back remarkably changed in appearance he looked extraordinarily old for his age his face had grown wrinkled yellow and strangely emasculate in character he seemed almost exactly the same as before he went away he was just as unsociable and showed not the slightest inclination for any companionship in moscow too as we heard afterwards he had always been silent moscow itself had little interest for him he saw very little there and took scarcely any notice of anything he went once to the theatre but returned silent and displeased with it on the other hand he came back to us from moscow well dressed in a clean coat and clean linen he brushed his clothes most scrupulously twice a day invariably and was very fond of cleaning his smart calf boots with a special english polish so that they shone like mirrors he turned out a first-rate cook fyodor pavlovitch paid him a salary almost the whole of which smerdyakov spent on clothes pomade perfumes and such things but he seemed to have as much contempt for the female sex as for men he was discreet almost unapproachable with them fyodor pavlovitch began to regard him rather differently his fits were becoming more frequent and on the days he was ill marfa cooked which did not suit fyodor pavlovitch at all why are your fits getting worse asked fyodor pavlovitch looking askance at his new cook would you like to get married shall i find you a wife but smerdyakov turned pale with anger and made no reply 
fyodor pavlovitch left him with an impatient gesture the great thing was that he had absolute confidence in his honesty it happened once when fyodor pavlovitch was drunk that he dropped in the muddy courtyard three hundred rouble notes which he had only just received he only missed them next day and was just hastening to search his pockets when he saw the notes lying on the table where had they come from smerdyakov had picked them up and brought them in the day before well my lad i've never met anyone like you fyodor pavlovitch said shortly and gave him ten roubles we may add that he not only believed in his honesty but had for some reason a liking for him although the young man looked as morosely at him as at everyone and was always silent he rarely spoke if it had occurred to anyone to wonder at the time what the young man was interested in and what was in his mind it would have been impossible to tell by looking at him yet he used sometimes to stop suddenly in the house or even in the yard or street and would stand still for ten minutes lost in thought a physiognomist studying his face would have said that there was no thought in it no reflection but only a sort of contemplation there is a remarkable picture by the painter kramskoy called contemplation there is a forest in winter and on a roadway through the forest in absolute solitude stands a peasant in a torn kaftan and bark shoes he stands as it were lost in thought yet he is not thinking he is contemplating if anyone touched him he would start and look at one as though awakening and bewildered it's true he would come to himself immediately but if he were asked what he had been thinking about he would remember nothing yet probably he has hidden within himself the impression which had dominated him during the period of contemplation those impressions are dear to him and no doubt he hoards them imperceptibly and even unconsciously how and why of course he does not know either he may suddenly after hoarding impressions for many years abandon everything and go off to jerusalem on a pilgrimage for his soul's salvation or perhaps he will suddenly set fire to his native village and perhaps do both there are a good many contemplatives among the peasantry well smerdyakov was probably one of them and he probably was greedily hoarding up his impressions hardly knowing why end of section nineteen section twenty of the brothers karamazov by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce peary book three chapter seven the controversy but balaam's ass had suddenly spoken the subject was a strange one grigory had gone in the morning to make purchases and had heard from the shopkeeper lukyanov the story of a russian soldier which had appeared in the newspaper of that day this soldier had been taken prisoner in some remote part of asia and was threatened with an immediate agonizing death if he did not renounce christianity and follow islam he refused to deny his faith and was tortured flayed alive and died praising and glorifying christ 
grigory had related the story at table fyodor pavlovitch always liked over the dessert after dinner to laugh and talk if only with grigory this afternoon he was in a particularly good-humoured and expansive mood sipping his brandy and listening to the story he observed that they ought to make a saint of a soldier like that and to take his skin to some monastery that would make the people flock and bring the money in grigory frowned seeing that fyodor pavlovitch was by no means touched but as usual was beginning to scoff at that moment smerdyakov who was standing by the door smiled smerdyakov often waited at table towards the end of dinner and since ivan's arrival in our town he had done so every day what are you grinning at asked fyodor pavlovitch catching the smile instantly and knowing that it referred to grigory well my opinion is smerdyakov began suddenly and unexpectedly in a loud voice that if that laudable soldier's exploit was so very great there would have been to my thinking no sin in it if he had on such an emergency renounced so to speak the name of christ and his own christening to save by that same his life for good deeds by which in the course of years to expiate his cowardice how could it not be a sin you're talking nonsense for that you'll go straight to hell and be roasted there like mutton put in fyodor pavlovitch it was at this point that alyosha came in and fyodor pavlovitch as we have seen was highly delighted at his appearance we're on your subject your subject he chuckled gleefully making alyosha sit down to listen as for mutton that's not so and there'll be nothing there for this and there shouldn't be either if it's according to justice smerdyakov maintained stoutly how do you mean according to justice fyodor pavlovitch cried still more gaily nudging alyosha with his knee he's a rascal that's what he is burst from grigory he looked smerdyakov wrathfully in the face as for being a rascal wait a little grigory vassilievitch answered smerdyakov with perfect composure you'd better consider yourself that once i am taken prisoner by the enemies of the christian race and they demand from me to curse the name of god and to renounce my holy christening i am fully entitled to act by my own reason since there would be no sin in it but you've said that before don't waste words prove it cried fyodor pavlovitch soup-maker muttered grigory contemptuously as for being a soup-maker wait a bit too and consider for yourself grigory vassilievitch without abusing me for as soon as i say to those enemies no i'm not a christian and i curse my true god then at once by god's high judgment i become immediately and specially anathema accursed and am cut off from the holy church exactly as though i were a heathen so that at that very instant not only when i say it aloud but when i think of saying it before a quarter of a second has passed i am cut off is that so or not grigory vassilievitch he addressed grigory with obvious satisfaction though he was really answering fyodor pavlovitch's questions and was well aware of it and intentionally pretending that grigory had asked the questions ivan cried fyodor pavlovitch suddenly stoop down for me to whisper 
he's got this all up for your benefit he wants you to praise him praise him ivan listened with perfect seriousness to his father's excited whisper stay smerdyakov be quiet a minute cried fyodor pavlovitch once more ivan your ear again ivan bent down again with a perfectly grave face i love you as i do alyosha don't think i don't love you some brandy yes but you're rather drunk yourself thought ivan looking steadily at his father he was watching smerdyakov with great curiosity you're anathema accursed as it is grigory suddenly burst out and how dare you argue you rascal after that if don't scold him grigory don't scold him fyodor pavlovitch cut him short you should wait grigory vassilievitch if only a short time and listen for i haven't finished all i had to say for at the very moment i become accursed at that same highest moment i become exactly like a heathen and my christening is taken off me and becomes of no avail isn't that so make haste and finish my boy fyodor pavlovitch urged him sipping from his wine-glass with relish and if i've ceased to be a christian then i told no lie to the enemy when they asked whether i was a christian or not a christian seeing i had already been relieved by god himself of my christianity by reason of the thought alone before i had time to utter a word to the enemy and if i have already been discharged in what manner and with what sort of justice can i be held responsible as a christian in the other world for having denied christ when through the very thought alone before denying him i had been relieved from my christening if i'm no longer a christian then i can't renounce christ for i've nothing then to renounce who will hold an unclean tatar responsible grigory vassilievitch even in heaven for not having been born a christian and who would punish him for that considering that you can't take two skins off one ox for god almighty himself even if he did make the tatar responsible when he dies would give him the smallest possible punishment i imagine since he must be punished judging that he is not to blame if he has come into the world an unclean heathen from heathen parents the lord god can't surely take a tatar and say he was a christian that would mean that the almighty would tell a real untruth and can the lord of heaven and earth tell a lie even in one word grigory was thunderstruck and looked at the orator his eyes nearly starting out of his head though he did not clearly understand what was said he had caught something in this rigmarole and stood looking like a man who has just hit his head against a wall fyodor pavlovitch emptied his glass and went off into his shrill laugh alyosha alyosha what do you say to that ah you casuist he must have been with the jesuits somewhere ivan oh you stinking jesuit who taught you but you're talking nonsense you casuist nonsense 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 don't cry grigory we'll reduce him to smoke and ashes in a moment tell me this o oh ass you may be right before your enemies but you have renounced your faith all the same in your own heart and you say yourself that in that very hour you became anathema accursed 
and if once you're anathema they won't pat you on the head for it in hell what do you say to that my fine jesuit there is no doubt that i have renounced it in my own heart but there was no special sin in that or if there was sin it was the most ordinary how's that the most ordinary you lie accursed one hissed grigory consider yourself grigory vassilievitch smerdyakov went on staid and unruffled conscious of his triumph but as it were generous to the vanquished foe consider yourself grigory vassilievitch it is said in the scripture that if you have faith even as a mustard seed and bid a mountain move into the sea it will move without the least delay at your bidding well grigory vassilievitch if i'm without faith and you have so great a faith that you are continually swearing at me you try yourself telling this mountain not to move into the sea for that's a long way off but even to our stinking little river which runs at the bottom of the garden you'll see for yourself that it won't budge but will remain just where it is however much you shout at it and that shows grigory vassilievitch that you haven't faith in the proper manner and only abuse others about it again taking into consideration that no one in our day not only you but actually no one from the highest person to the lowest peasant can shove mountains into the sea except perhaps some one man in the world or at most two and they most likely are saving their souls in secret somewhere in the egyptian desert so you wouldn't find them if so it be if all the rest have no faith will god curse all the rest that is the population of the whole earth except about two hermits in the desert and in his well-known mercy will he not forgive one of them and so i'm persuaded that though i may once have doubted i shall be forgiven if i shed tears of repentance stay cried fyodor pavlovitch in a transport of delight so you do suppose there are two who can move mountains ivan make a note of it write it down there you have the russian all over you're quite right in saying it's characteristic of the people's faith ivan assented with an approving smile you agree then it must be so if you agree it's true isn't it alyosha that's the russian faith all over isn't it no smerdyakov has not the russian faith at all said alyosha firmly and gravely i'm not talking about his faith i mean those two in the desert only that idea surely that's russian isn't it yes that's purely russian said alyosha smiling your words are worth a gold piece o oh ass and i'll give it to you to-day but as to the rest you talk nonsense 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 let me tell you stupid that we here are all of little faith only from carelessness because we haven't time things are too much for us and in the second place the lord god has given us so little time only twenty-four hours in the day so that one hasn't even time to get sleep enough much less to repent of one's sins while you have denied your faith to your enemies when you'd nothing else to think about but to show your faith so i consider brother that it constitutes a sin 
constitute a sin it may but consider yourself grigory vassilievitch that it only extenuates it if it does constitute if i had believed then in very truth as i ought to have believed then it really would have been sinful if i had not faced tortures for my faith and had gone over to the pagan mohammedan faith but of course it wouldn't have come to torture then because i should only have had to say at that instant to the mountain move and crush the tormentor and it would have moved and at the very instant have crushed him like a black beetle and i should have walked away as though nothing had happened praising and glorifying god but suppose at that very moment i had tried all that and cried to that mountain crush these tormentors and it hadn't crushed them how could i have helped doubting pray at such a time and at such a dread hour of mortal terror and apart from that i should know already that i could not attain to the fullness of the kingdom of heaven for since the mountain had not moved at my word they could not think very much of my faith up aloft and there could be no very great reward awaiting me in the world to come so why should i let them flay the skin off me as well and to no good purpose for even though they had flayed my skin half off my back even then the mountain would not have moved at my word or at my cry and at such a moment not only doubt might come over one but one might lose one's reason from fear so that one would not be able to think at all and therefore how should i be particularly to blame if not seeing my advantage or reward there or here i should at least save my skin and so trusting fully in the grace of the lord i should cherish the hope that i might be altogether forgiven End of section 20section twenty one of the brothers karamazov by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce peary book three chapter eight over the brandy the controversy was over but strange to say fyodor pavlovitch who had been so gay suddenly began frowning he frowned and gulped brandy and it was already a glass too much get along with you jesuits he cried to the servants go away smerdyakov i'll send you the gold piece i promised you to-day but be off don't cry grigory go to marfa she'll comfort you and put you to bed the rascals won't let us sit in peace after dinner he snapped peevishly as the servants promptly withdrew at his word smerdyakov always pokes himself in now after dinner it's you he's so interested in what have you done to fascinate him he added to ivan nothing whatever answered ivan he's pleased to have a high opinion of me he's a lackey and a mean soul raw material for revolution however when the time comes for revolution there will be others and better ones but there will be some like him as well his kind will come first and better ones after and when will the time come the rocket will go off and fizzle out perhaps the peasants are not very fond of listening to these soup makers so far ah brother but a balaam's ass like that thinks and thinks and the devil knows where he gets to 
he's storing up ideas said ivan smiling you see i know he can't bear me nor anyone else even you though you fancy that he has a high opinion of you worse still with alyosha he despises alyosha but he doesn't steal that's one thing and he's not a gossip he holds his tongue and doesn't wash our dirty linen in public he makes capital fish pasties too but damn him is he worth talking about so much of course he isn't but as for the ideas he may be hatching the russian peasant generally speaking needs thrashing that i've always maintained our peasants are swindlers and don't deserve to be pitied and it's a good thing they're still flogged sometimes russia is rich in birches if they destroyed the forests it would be the ruin of russia i stand up for the clever people we've left off thrashing the peasants we've grown so clever but they go on thrashing themselves and a good thing too for with what measure ye meet it shall be measured to you again or how does it go anyhow it will be measured but russia's all swinishness my dear if you only knew how i hate russia that is not russia but all this vice but maybe i mean russia tout cela c'est de la cochonnerie do you know what i like i like wit you've had another glass that's enough wait a bit i'll have one more and then another and then i'll stop no stay you interrupted me at macro i was talking to an old man and he told me there's nothing we like so much as sentencing girls to be thrashed and we always give the lads the job of thrashing them and the girl he has thrashed to-day the young man will ask in marriage to-morrow so it quite suits the girls too he said there's a set of desades for you but it's clever anyway shall we go over and have a look at it eh alyosha are you blushing don't be bashful child i'm sorry i didn't stay to dinner at the superiors and tell the monks about the girls at macro alyosha don't be angry that i offended your superior this morning i lost my temper if there is a god if he exists then of course i'm to blame and i shall have to answer for it but if there isn't a god at all what do they deserve your fathers it's not enough to cut their heads off for they keep back progress would you believe it ivan that that lacerates my sentiments no you don't believe it as i see from your eyes you believe what people say that i'm nothing but a buffoon alyosha do you believe that i'm nothing but a buffoon no i don't believe it and i believe you don't and that you speak the truth you look sincere and you speak sincerely but not ivan ivan's supercilious i'd make an end of your monks though all the same i'd take all that mystic stuff and suppress it once for all all over russia so as to bring all the fools to reason and the gold and the silver that would flow into the mint but why suppress it asked ivan that truth may prevail that's why well if truth were to prevail you know you'd be the first to be robbed and suppressed ah i dare say you're right <laughs> i'm an ass burst out fyodor pavlovitch striking himself lightly on the forehead well 
your monastery may stand then alyosha if that's how it is and we clever people will sit snug and enjoy our brandy you know ivan it must have been so ordained by the almighty himself ivan speak is there a god or not stay speak the truth speak seriously why are you laughing again i'm laughing that you should have made a clever remark just now about smerdyakov's belief in the existence of two saints who could move mountains why am i like him now then very much well that shows i'm a russian too and i have a russian characteristic and you may be caught in the same way though you are a philosopher shall i catch you what do you bet that i'll catch you to-morrow speak all the same is there a god or not only be serious i want you to be serious now no there is no god alyosha is there a god there is ivan and is there immortality of some sort just a little just a tiny bit there is no immortality either none at all none at all there's absolute nothingness then perhaps there's just something anything is better than nothing absolute nothingness alyosha is there immortality there is god and immortality god and immortality in god is immortality mm, it's more likely ivan's right good lord to think what faith what force of all kinds man has lavished for nothing on that dream and for how many thousand years who is it laughing at man ivan for the last time once for all is there a god or not i ask for the last time and for the last time there is not who is laughing at mankind ivan it must be the devil said ivan smiling and the devil does he exist no there's no devil either it's a pity damn it all what wouldn't i do to the man who first invented god hanging on a bitter aspen tree would be too good for him there would have been no civilization if they hadn't invented god wouldn't there have been without god no and there would have been no brandy either but i must take your brandy away from you anyway stop 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 dear boy one more little glass i've hurt alyosha's feelings you're not angry with me alyosha my dear little alexey no i am not angry i know your thoughts your heart is better than your head my heart better than my head is it oh lord and that from you ivan do you love alyosha yes you must love him fyodor pavlovitch was by this time very drunk listen alyosha i was rude to your elder this morning but i was excited but there's wit in that elder don't you think ivan very likely there is there is il y a du piron là-dedans he's a jesuit a russian one that is 
as he's an honourable person there's a hidden indignation boiling within him at having to pretend and affect holiness but of course he believes in god not a bit of it didn't you know why he tells everyone so himself that is not everyone but all the clever people who come to him he said straight out to governor schultz not long ago credo but i don't know in what really he really did but i respect him there's something of mephistopheles about him or rather of the hero of our time arbanin or what's his name you see he's a sensualist he's such a sensualist that i should be afraid for my daughter or my wife if she went to confess to him you know when he begins telling stories the year before last he invited us to tea tea with liqueur the ladies sent him liqueur and began telling us about old times till we nearly split our sides especially how he once cured a paralyzed woman if my legs were not bad i know a dance i could dance you he said what do you say to that i've plenty of tricks in my time said he he did dernadov the merchant out of sixty thousand what he stole it he brought him the money as a man he could trust saying take care of it for me friend there'll be a police search at my place to-morrow and he kept it you have given it to the church he declared i said to him you're a scoundrel i said no said he i'm not a scoundrel but i'm broad-minded but that wasn't he that was someone else i've muddled him with someone else without noticing it come another glass and that's enough take away the bottle ivan i've been telling lies why didn't you stop me ivan and tell me i was lying i knew you'd stop of yourself that's a lie you did it from spite from simple spite against me you despise me you have come to me and despised me in my own house well i'm going away you've had too much brandy i've begged you for christ's sake to go to chermashnia for a day or two and you don't go i'll go to-morrow if you're so set upon it you won't go you want to keep an eye on me that's what you want spiteful fellow that's why you won't go the old man persisted he had reached that state of drunkenness when the drunkard who has till then been inoffensive tries to pick a quarrel and to assert himself why are you looking at me why do you look like that your eyes look at me and say you ugly drunkard your eyes are mistrustful they're contemptuous you've come here with some design alyosha here looks at me and his eyes shine alyosha doesn't despise me alexey you mustn't love ivan don't be ill-tempered with my brother leave off attacking him alyosha said emphatically oh all right Ugh, my head aches take away the brandy ivan it's the third time i've told you he mused and suddenly a slow cunning grin spread over his face don't be angry with a feeble old man ivan i know you don't love me but don't be angry all the same you've nothing to love me for you go to chermashnia i'll come to you myself and bring you a present i'll show you a little wench there i've had my eye on her a long time 
she's still running about barefoot don't be afraid of barefooted wenches don't despise them they're pearls and he kissed his hand with a smack to my thinking he revived at once seeming to grow sober the instant he touched on his favorite topic to my thinking ah you boys you children little sucking pigs to my thinking i never thought a woman ugly in my life that's been my rule can you understand that how could you understand it you've milk in your veins not blood you're not out of your shells yet my rule has been that you can always find something devilishly interesting in every woman that you wouldn't find in any other only one must know how to find it that's the point that's a talent to my mind there are no ugly women the very fact that she is a woman is half the battle but how could you understand that even in vieilles filles even in them you may discover something that makes you simply wonder that men have been such fools as to let them grow old without noticing them barefooted girls or unattractive ones you must take by surprise didn't you know that you must astound them till they're fascinated upset ashamed that such a gentleman should fall in love with such a little slut it's a jolly good thing that there always are and will be masters and slaves in the world so there always will be a little maid of all work and her master and you know that's all that's needed for happiness stay listen alyosha i always used to surprise your mother but in a different way i paid no attention to her at all but all at once when the minute came i'd be all devotion to her crawl on my knees kiss her feet and i always always i remember it as though it were to-day reduced her to that tinkling quiet nervous queer little laugh it was peculiar to her i knew her attacks always used to begin like that the next day she would begin shrieking hysterically and this little laugh was not a sign of delight though it made a very good counterfeit that's the great thing to know how to take every one once belyevsky he was a handsome fellow and rich used to like to come here and hang about her suddenly gave me a slap in the face in her presence and she such a mild sheep why i thought she would have knocked me down for that blow how she set on me you're beaten beaten now she said you've taken a blow from him you have been trying to sell me to him she said and how dared he strike you in my presence don't dare come near me again never never run at once challenge him to a duel i took her to the monastery then to bring her to her senses the holy fathers prayed her back to reason but i swear by god ayasha i never insulted the poor crazy girl only once perhaps in the first year then she was very fond of praying she used to keep the feasts of our lady particularly and used to turn me out of her room then i'll knock that mysticism out of her thought i here said i you see your holy image here it is here i take it down you believe it's miraculous but here i'll spit on it directly and nothing will happen to me for it when she saw it good lord i thought she would kill me but she only jumped up wrung her hands then suddenly hid her face in them began trembling all over and fell on the floor fell all of a heap alyosha 
alyosha what's the matter the old man jumped up in alarm from the time he had begun speaking about his mother a change had gradually come over alyosha's face he flushed crimson his eyes glowed his lips quivered the old sot had gone spluttering on noticing nothing till the moment when something very strange happened to alyosha precisely what he was describing in the crazy woman was suddenly repeated with alyosha he jumped up from his seat exactly as his mother was said to have done wrung his hands hid his face in them and fell back in his chair shaking all over in an hysterical paroxysm of sudden violent silent weeping his extraordinary resemblance to his mother particularly impressed the old man ivan ivan water quickly it's like her exactly as she used to be then his mother spurt some water on him from your mouth that's what i used to do to her he's upset about his mother his mother he muttered to ivan but she was my mother too i believe his mother was she not said ivan with uncontrolled anger and contempt the old man shrank before his flashing eyes but something very strange had happened though only for a second it really seemed to have escaped the old man's mind that alyosha's mother actually was the mother of ivan too your mother he muttered not understanding what do you mean what mother are you talking about was she why damn it of course she was yours too damn it my mind has never been so darkened before excuse me why i was thinking ivan <laughs> he stopped a broad drunken half senseless grin overspread his face at that moment a fearful noise and clamour was heard in the hall there were violent shouts the door was flung open and dmitri burst into the room the old man rushed to ivan in terror he'll kill me he'll kill me don't let him get at me he screamed clinging to the skirt of ivan's coat end of section twenty one section twenty two of the brothers karamazov by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce peary book three chapter nine the sensualists grigory and smerdyakov ran into the room after dmitri they had been struggling with him in the passage refusing to admit him acting on instructions given them by fyodor pavlovitch some days before taking advantage of the fact that dmitri stopped a moment on entering the room to look about him grigory ran round the table closed the double doors on the opposite side of the room leading to the inner apartments and stood before the closed doors stretching wide his arms prepared to defend the entrance so to speak with the last drop of his blood seeing this dmitri uttered a scream rather than a shout and rushed at grigory then she's there she's hidden there out of the way scoundrel he tried to pull grigory away but the old servant pushed him back beside himself with fury dmitri struck out and hit grigory with all his might the old man fell like a log and dmitri leaping over him broke in the door smerdyakov remained pale and trembling at the other end of the room huddling close to fyodor pavlovitch 
she's here shouted dmitri i saw her turn towards the house just now but i couldn't catch her where is she where is she that shout she's here produced an indescribable effect on fyodor pavlovitch all his terror left him hold him hold him he cried and dashed after dmitri meanwhile grigory had got up from the floor but still seemed stunned ivan and alyosha ran after their father in the third room something was heard to fall on the floor with a ringing crash it was a large glass vase not an expensive one on a marble pedestal which dmitri had upset as he ran past it at him shouted the old man help ivan and alyosha caught the old man and were forcibly bringing him back why do you run after him he'll murder you outright ivan cried wrathfully at his father ivan alyosha she must be here grushenka's here he said he saw her himself running he was choking he was not expecting grushenka at the time and the sudden news that she was here made him beside himself he was trembling all over he seemed frantic but you've seen for yourself that she hasn't come cried ivan but she may have come by that other entrance you know that entrance is locked and you have the key dmitri suddenly reappeared in the drawing-room he had of course found the other entrance locked and the key actually was in fyodor pavlovitch's pocket the windows of all the rooms were also closed so grushenka could not have come in anywhere nor have run out anywhere hold him shrieked fyodor pavlovitch as soon as he saw him again he's been stealing money in my bedroom and tearing himself from ivan he rushed again at dmitri but dmitri threw up both hands and suddenly clutched the old man by the two tufts of hair that remained on his temples tugged at them and flung him with a crash on the floor he kicked him two or three times with his heel in the face the old man moaned shrilly ivan though not so strong as dmitri threw his arms round him and with all his might pulled him away alyosha helped him with his slender strength holding dmitri in front madman you've killed him cried ivan serve him right shouted dmitri breathlessly if i haven't killed him i'll come again and kill him you can't protect him dmitri go away at once cried alyosha commandingly alexey you tell me it's only you i can believe was she here just now or not i saw her myself creeping this way by the fence from the lane i shouted she ran away i swear she's not been here and no one expected her but i saw her so she must i'll find out at once where she is good-bye alexey not a word to aesop about the money now but go to katerina ivanovna at once and be sure to say he sends his compliments to you compliments his compliments just compliments and farewell describe the scene to her meanwhile ivan and grigory had raised the old man and seated him in an armchair his face was covered with blood but he was conscious and listened greedily to dmitri's cries he was still fancying that grushenka really was somewhere in the house dmitri looked at him with hatred as he went out i don't repent shedding your blood 
he cried beware old man beware of your dream for i have my dream too i curse you and disown you altogether he ran out of the room she's here she must be here smerdyakov smerdyakov the old man wheezed scarcely audibly beckoning to him with his finger no she's not here you old lunatic ivan shouted at him angrily here he's fainting water a towel make haste smerdyakov smerdyakov ran for water at last they got the old man undressed and put him to bed they wrapped a wet towel round his head exhausted by the brandy by his violent emotion and the blows he had received he shut his eyes and fell asleep as soon as his head touched the pillow ivan and alyosha went back to the drawing-room smerdyakov removed the fragments of the broken vase while grigory stood by the table looking gloomily at the floor shouldn't you put a wet bandage on your head and go to bed too alyosha said to him we'll look after him my brother gave you a terrible blow on the head he's insulted me grigory articulated gloomily and distinctly he's insulted his father not only you observed ivan with a forced smile i used to wash him in his tub he's insulted me repeated grigory damn it all if i hadn't pulled him away perhaps he'd have murdered him it wouldn't take much to do for aesop would it whispered ivan to alyosha god forbid cried alyosha why should he forbid ivan went on in the same whisper with a malignant grimace one reptile will devour the other and serve them both right too alyosha shuddered of course i won't let him be murdered as i didn't just now stay here alyosha i'll go for a turn in the yard my head's begun to ache alyosha went to his father's bedroom and sat by his bedside behind the screen for about an hour the old man suddenly opened his eyes and gazed for a long while at alyosha evidently remembering and meditating all at once his face betrayed extraordinary excitement alyosha he whispered apprehensively where's ivan in the yard he's got a headache he's on the watch give me that looking-glass it stands over there give it me alyosha gave him a little round folding looking-glass which stood on the chest of drawers the old man looked at himself in it his nose was considerably swollen and on the left side of his forehead there was a rather large crimson bruise what does ivan say alyosha my dear my only son i'm afraid of ivan i'm more afraid of ivan than the other you're the only one i'm not afraid of don't be afraid of ivan either he is angry but he'll defend you alyosha and what of the other he's run to grushenka my angel tell me the truth was she here just now or not no one has seen her it was a mistake she has not been here you know mitchell wants to marry her to marry her she won't marry him she won't she won't she won't she won't on any account the old man fairly fluttered with joy as though nothing more comforting could have been said to him 
in his delight he seized alyosha's hand and pressed it warmly to his heart tears positively glittered in his eyes that image of the mother of god of which i was telling you just now he said take it home and keep it for yourself and i'll let you go back to the monastery i was joking this morning don't be angry with me my head aches alyosha alyosha comfort my heart be an angel and tell me the truth you're still asking whether she has been here or not alyosha said sorrowfully no 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 i believe you i'll tell you what it is you go to grushenka yourself or see her somehow make haste and ask her see for yourself which she means to choose him or me eh what can you if i see her i'll ask her alyosha muttered embarrassed no she won't tell you the old man interrupted she's a rogue she'll begin kissing you and say that it's you she wants she's a deceitful shameless hussy you mustn't go to her you mustn't no father and it wouldn't be suitable it wouldn't be right at all where was he sending you just now he shouted go as he ran away to katerina ivanovna for money to ask her for money no not for money he's no money not a farthing i'll settle down for the night and think things over and you can go perhaps you'll meet her only be sure to come to me to-morrow in the morning be sure to i have a word to say to you to-morrow will you come yes when you come pretend you've come of your own accord to ask after me don't tell anyone i told you to don't say a word to ivan very well good-bye my angel you stood up for me just now i shall never forget it i've a word to say to you to-morrow but i must think about it and how do you feel now i shall get up to-morrow and go out perfectly well perfectly well crossing the yard alyosha found ivan sitting on the bench at the gateway he was sitting writing something in pencil in his notebook alyosha told ivan that their father had waked up was conscious and had let him go back to sleep at the monastery alyosha i should be very glad to meet you to-morrow morning said ivan cordially standing up his cordiality was a complete surprise to alyosha i shall be at the holokovs to-morrow answered alyosha i may be at katerina ivanovna's too if i don't find her now but you're going to her now anyway for that compliments and farewell said ivan smiling alyosha was disconcerted i think i quite understand his exclamations just now and part of what went before dmitri has asked you to go to her and say that he well in fact takes his leave of her brother how will all this horror end between father and dmitri exclaimed alyosha one can't tell for certain perhaps in nothing it may all fizzle out that woman is a beast in any case we must keep the old man indoors and not let dmitri in the house brother let me ask one thing more has any man a right to look at other men and decide which is worthy to live why bring in the question of worth the matter is most often decided in men's hearts on other grounds much more natural and as for rights 
who has not the right to wish not for another man's death what even if for another man's death why lie to oneself since all men live so and perhaps cannot help living so are you referring to what i said just now that one reptile will devour the other in that case let me ask you do you think me like dmitri capable of shedding aesop's blood murdering him eh what are you saying ivan such an idea never crossed my mind i don't think dmitri is capable of it either thanks if only for that smiled ivan be sure i should always defend him but in my wishes i reserve myself full latitude in this case good-bye till to-morrow don't condemn me and don't look on me as a villain he added with a smile they shook hands warmly as they had never done before alyosha felt that his brother had taken the first step towards him and that he had certainly done this with some definite motive End of section 22section twenty three of the brothers karamazov by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce peary book three chapter ten both together alyosha left his father's house feeling even more exhausted and dejected in spirit than when he had entered it his mind too seemed shattered and unhinged while he felt that he was afraid to put together the disjointed fragments and form a general idea from all the agonizing and conflicting experiences of the day he felt something bordering upon despair which he had never known till then towering like a mountain above all the rest stood the fatal insoluble question how would things end between his father and his brother dmitri with this terrible woman now he had himself been a witness of it he had been present and seen them face to face yet only his brother dmitri could be made unhappy terribly completely unhappy there was trouble awaiting him it appeared too that there were other people concerned far more so than alyosha could have supposed before there was something positively mysterious in it too ivan had made a step towards him which was what alyosha had been long desiring yet now he felt for some reason that he was frightened at it and these women strange to say that morning he had set out for katerina ivanovna's in the greatest embarrassment now he felt nothing of the kind on the contrary he was hastening there as though expecting to find guidance from her yet to give her this message was obviously more difficult than before the matter of the three thousand was decided irrevocably and dmitri feeling himself dishonored and losing his last hope might sink to any depth he had moreover told him to describe to katerina ivanovna the scene which had just taken place with his father it was by now seven o'clock and it was getting dark as alyosha entered the very spacious and convenient house in the high street occupied by katerina ivanovna alyosha knew that she lived with two aunts one of them a woman of little education was that aunt of her half-sister agafia ivanovna who had looked after her in her father's house when she came from boarding-school 
the other aunt was a moscow lady of style and consequence though in straitened circumstances it was said that they both gave way in everything to katerina ivanovna and that she only kept them with her as chaperons katerina ivanovna herself gave way to no one but her benefactress the general's widow who had been kept by illness in moscow and to whom she was obliged to write twice a week a full account of all her doings when alyosha entered the hall and asked the maid who opened the door to him to take his name up it was evident that they were already aware of his arrival possibly he had been noticed from the window at least alyosha heard a noise caught the sound of flying footsteps and rustling skirts two or three women perhaps had run out of the room alyosha thought it strange that his arrival should cause such excitement he was conducted however to the drawing-room at once it was a large room elegantly and amply furnished not at all in provincial style there were many sofas lounges settees big and little tables there were pictures on the walls vases and lamps on the tables masses of flowers and even an aquarium in the window it was twilight and rather dark alyosha made out a silk mantle thrown down on the sofa where people had evidently just been sitting and on a table in front of the sofa were two unfinished cups of chocolate cakes a glass saucer with blue raisins and another with sweetmeats alyosha saw that he had interrupted visitors and frowned but at that instant the portiere was raised and with rapid hurrying footsteps katerina ivanovna came in holding out both hands to alyosha with the radiant smile of delight at the same instant a servant brought in two lighted candles and set them on the table thank god at last you have come too i've been simply praying for you all day sit down alyosha had been struck by katerina ivanovna's beauty when three weeks before dmitri had first brought him at katerina ivanovna's special request to be introduced to her there had been no conversation between them at that interview however supposing alyosha to be very shy katerina ivanovna had talked all the time to dmitri to spare him alyosha had been silent but he had seen a great deal very clearly he was struck by the imperiousness proud ease and self-confidence of the haughty girl and all that was certain alyosha felt that he was not exaggerating it he thought her great glowing black eyes were very fine especially with her pale even rather sallow longish face but in those eyes and in the lines of her exquisite lips there was something with which his brother might well be passionately in love but which perhaps could not be loved for long he expressed this thought almost plainly to dmitri when after the visit his brother besought and insisted that he should not conceal his impressions on seeing his betrothed you'll be happy with her but perhaps not tranquilly happy quite so brother such people remain always the same they don't yield to fate so you think i shan't love her for ever no perhaps you will love her for ever but perhaps you won't always be happy with her 
alyosha had given his opinion at the time blushing and angry with himself for having yielded to his brother's entreaties and put such foolish ideas into words for his opinion had struck him as awfully foolish immediately after he had uttered it he felt ashamed too of having given so confident an opinion about a woman it was with the more amazement that he felt now at the first glance at katerina ivanovna as she ran into him that he had perhaps been utterly mistaken this time her face was beaming with spontaneous good-natured kindliness and direct warm-hearted sincerity the pride and haughtiness which had struck alyosha so much before was only betrayed now in a frank generous energy and a sort of bright strong faith in herself alyosha realized at the first glance at the first word that all the tragedy of her position in relation to the man she loved so dearly was no secret to her that she perhaps already knew everything positively everything and yet in spite of that there was such brightness in her face such faith in the future alyosha felt at once that he had gravely wronged her in his thoughts he was conquered and captivated immediately besides all this he noticed at her first words that she was in great excitement an excitement perhaps quite exceptional and almost approaching ecstasy i was so eager to see you because i can learn from you the whole truth from you and no one else i have come muttered alyosha confusedly i he sent me ah he sent you i foresaw that now i know everything everything cried katerina ivanovna her eyes flashing wait a moment alexey fyodorovitch i'll tell you why i've been so longing to see you you see i know perhaps far more than you do yourself and there's no need for you to tell me anything i'll tell you what i want from you i want to know your own last impression of him i want you to tell me most directly plainly coarsely even oh as coarsely as you like what you thought of him just now and of his position after your meeting with him to-day that will perhaps be better than if i had a personal explanation with him as he does not want to come to me do you understand what i want from you now tell me simply tell me every word of the message he sent you with i knew he would send you he told me to give you his compliments and to say that he would never come again but to give you his compliments his compliments was that what he said his own expression yes accidentally perhaps he made a mistake in the word perhaps he did not use the right word no he told me precisely to repeat that word he begged me two or three times not to forget to say so katerina ivanovna flushed hotly help me now alexey fyodorovitch now i really need your help i'll tell you what i think and you must simply say whether it's right or not listen if he had sent me his compliments in passing without insisting on your repeating the words without emphasizing them that would be the end of everything but if he particularly insisted on those words if he particularly told you not to forget to repeat them to me then perhaps he was in excitement beside himself he had made his decision and was frightened at it he wasn't walking away from me with a resolute step 
but leaping headlong the emphasis on that phrase may have been simply bravado yes yes cried alyosha warmly i believe that is it and if so he's not altogether lost i can still save him stay did he not tell you anything about money about three thousand roubles he did speak about it and it's that more than anything that's crushing him he said he had lost his honor and that nothing matters now alyosha answered warmly feeling a rush of hope in his heart and believing that there really might be a way of escape and salvation for his brother but do you know about the money he added and suddenly broke off i've known of it a long time i telegraphed to moscow to inquire and heard long ago that the money had not arrived he hadn't sent the money but i said nothing last week i learnt that he was still in need of money my only object in all this was that he should know to whom to turn and who was his true friend no he won't recognize that i am his truest friend he won't know me and looks on me merely as a woman i've been tormented all the week trying to think how to prevent him from being ashamed to face me because he spent that three thousand let him feel ashamed of himself let him be ashamed of other people's knowing but not of my knowing he can tell god everything without shame why is it he still does not understand how much i am ready to bear for his sake why why doesn't he know me how dare he not know me after all that has happened i want to save him forever let him forget me as his betrothed and here he fears that he is dishonored in my eyes why he wasn't afraid to be open with you alexey fyodorovitch how is it that i don't deserve the same the last words she uttered in tears tears gushed from her eyes i must tell you alyosha began his voice trembling too what happened just now between him and my father and he described the whole scene how dmitri had sent him to get the money how he had broken in knocked his father down and after that had again specially and emphatically begged him to take his compliments and farewell he went to that woman alyosha added softly and do you suppose that i can't put up with that woman does he think i can't but he won't marry her she suddenly laughed nervously could such a passion last forever in a karamazov it's passion not love he won't marry her because she won't marry him again katerina ivanovna laughed strangely he may marry her said alyosha mournfully looking down he won't marry her i tell you that girl is an angel do you know that do you know that katerina ivanovna exclaimed suddenly with extraordinary warmth she is one of the most fantastic of fantastic creatures i know how bewitching she is but i know too that she is kind firm and noble why do you look at me like that alexey fyodorovitch perhaps you are wondering at my words perhaps you don't believe me agrafena alexandrovna my angel she cried suddenly to some one peeping into the next room come in to us this is a friend this is alyosha he knows all about our affairs show yourself to him i've only been waiting behind the curtain for you to call me said a soft one might even say sugary feminine voice 
the portiere was raised and grushenka herself smiling and beaming came up to the table a violent revulsion passed over alyosha he fixed his eyes on her and could not take them off here she was that awful woman the beast as ivan had called her half an hour before and yet one would have thought the creature standing before him most simple and ordinary a good-natured kind woman handsome certainly but so like other handsome ordinary women it is true she was very very good-looking with that russian beauty so passionately loved by many men she was a rather tall woman though a little shorter than katerina ivanovna who was exceptionally tall she had a full figure with soft as it were noiseless movements softened to a peculiar over-sweetness like her voice she moved not like katerina ivanovna with a vigorous bold step but noiselessly her feet made absolutely no sound on the floor she sank softly into a low chair softly rustling her sumptuous black silk dress and delicately nestling her milk-white neck and broad shoulders in a costly cashmere shawl she was twenty-two years old and her face looked exactly that age she was very white in the face with a pale pink tint on her cheeks the modelling of her face might be said to be too broad and the lower jaw was set a trifle forward her upper lip was thin but the slightly prominent lower lip was at least twice as full and looked pouting but her magnificent abundant dark brown hair her sable-coloured eyebrows and charming grey-blue eyes with their long lashes would have made the most indifferent person meeting her casually in a crowd in the street stop at the sight of her face and remember it long after what struck alyosha most in that face was its expression of childlike good-nature there was a childlike look in her eyes a look of childish delight she came up to the table beaming with delight and seeming to expect something with childish impatient and confiding curiosity the light in her eyes gladdened the soul alyosha felt that there was something else in her which he could not understand or would not have been able to define and which yet perhaps unconsciously affected him it was that softness that voluptuousness of her bodily movements that cat-like noiselessness yet it was a vigorous ample body under the shawl could be seen full broad shoulders a high still quite girlish bosom her figure suggested the lines of the venus of milo though already in somewhat exaggerated proportions that could be divined connoisseurs of russian beauty could have foretold with certainty that this fresh still youthful beauty would lose its harmony by the age of thirty would spread that the face would become puffy and that wrinkles would very soon appear upon her forehead and round the eyes the complexion would grow coarse and red perhaps in fact that it was the beauty of the moment the fleeting beauty which is so often met with in russian women alyosha of course did not think of this but though he was fascinated yet he wondered with an unpleasant sensation and as it were regretfully why she drawled in that way and could not speak naturally 
she did so evidently feeling there was a charm in the exaggerated honeyed modulation of the syllables it was of course only a bad underbred habit that showed bad education and a false idea of good manners and yet this intonation and manner of speaking impressed alyosha as almost incredibly incongruous with the childishly simple and happy expression of her face the soft babyish joy in her eyes katerina ivanovna at once made her sit down in an armchair facing alyosha and ecstatically kissed her several times on her smiling lips she seemed quite in love with her this is the first time we've met alexey fyodorovitch she said rapturously i wanted to know her to see her i wanted to go to her but i'd no sooner expressed the wish than she came to me i knew we should settle everything together everything my heart told me so i was begged not to take the step but i foresaw it would be a way out of the difficulty and i was not mistaken grushenka has explained everything to me told me all she means to do she flew here like an angel of goodness and brought us peace and joy you did not disdain me sweet excellent young lady drawled grushenka in her sing-song voice still with the same charming smile of delight don't dare to speak to me like that you sorceress you witch disdain you here i must kiss your lower lip once more it looks as though it were swollen and now it will be more so and more and more look how she laughs alexey fyodorovitch it does one's heart good to see the angel alyosha flushed and faint imperceptible shivers kept running down him you make so much of me dear young lady and perhaps i am not at all worthy of your kindness not worthy she's not worthy of it katerina ivanovna cried again with the same warmth you know alexey fyodorovitch we're fanciful we're self-willed but proudest of the proud in our little heart we're noble we're generous alexey fyodorovitch let me tell you we have only been unfortunate we were too ready to make every sacrifice for an unworthy perhaps or fickle man there was one man one an officer too we loved him we sacrificed everything to him that was long ago five years ago and he has forgotten us he has married now he is a widower he has written he is coming here and do you know we've loved him none but him all this time and we've loved him all our life he will come and grushenka will be happy again for the last five years she's been wretched but who can reproach her who can boast of her favor only that bedridden old merchant but he is more like her father her friend her protector he found her then in despair in agony deserted by the man she loved she was ready to drown herself then but the old merchant saved her saved her you defend me very kindly dear young lady you're in a great hurry about everything grushenka drawled again defend you is it for me to defend you should i dare to defend you grushenka angel give me your hand look at that charming soft little hand alexey fyodorovitch look at it 
it has brought me happiness and has lifted me up and i'm going to kiss it outside and inside here 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 and three times she kissed the certainly charming though rather fat hand of grushenka in a sort of rapture she held out her hand with a charming musical nervous little laugh watched the sweet young lady and obviously liked having her hand kissed perhaps there's rather too much rapture thought alyosha he blushed he felt a peculiar uneasiness at heart the whole time you won't make me blush dear young lady kissing my hand like this before alexey fyodorovitch do you think i meant to make you blush said katerina ivanovna somewhat surprised ah my dear how little you understand me yes and you too perhaps quite misunderstand me dear young lady maybe i'm not so good as i seem to you i've a bad heart i will have my own way i fascinated poor dmitri fyodorovitch that day simply for fun but now you'll save him you've given me your word you'll explain it all to him you'll break to him that you have long loved another man who is now offering you his hand oh no i didn't give you my word to do that it was you kept talking about that i didn't give you my word then i didn't quite understand you said katerina ivanovna slowly turning a little pale you promised oh no angel lady i've promised nothing grushenka interrupted softly and evenly still with the same gay and simple expression you see at once dear young lady what a wilful wretch i am compared with you if i want to do a thing i do it i may have made you some promise just now but now again i'm thinking i may take to mitya again i liked him very much once liked him for almost a whole hour now maybe i shall go and tell him to stay with me from this day forward you see i'm so changeable just now you said something quite different katerina ivanovna whispered faintly ah just now but you know i'm such a soft-hearted silly creature only think what he's gone through on my account what if when i go home i feel sorry for him what then i never expected ah young lady how good and generous you are compared with me now perhaps you won't care for a silly creature like me now you know my character give me your sweet little hand angelic lady she said tenderly and with a sort of reverence took katerina ivanovna's hand here dear young lady i'll take your hand and kiss it as you did mine you kissed mine three times but i ought to kiss yours three hundred times to be even with you well but let that pass and then it shall be as god wills perhaps i shall be your slave entirely and want to do your bidding like a slave let it be as god wills without any agreements and promises what a sweet hand what a sweet hand you have 
you sweet young lady you incredible beauty she slowly raised the hands to her lips with the strange object indeed of being even with her in kisses katerina ivanovna did not take her hand away she listened with timid hope to the last words though grushenka's promise to do her bidding like a slave was very strangely expressed she looked intently into her eyes she still saw in those eyes the same simple-hearted confiding expression the same bright gaiety she's perhaps too naive thought katerina ivanovna with a gleam of hope grushenka meanwhile seemed enthusiastic over the sweet hand she raised it deliberately to her lips but she held it for two or three minutes near her lips as though reconsidering something do you know angel lady she suddenly drawled in an even more soft and sugary voice do you know after all i think i won't kiss your hand and she laughed a little merry laugh as you please what's the matter with you said katerina ivanovna starting suddenly so that you may be left to remember that you kissed my hand but i didn't kiss yours there was a sudden gleam in her eyes she looked with awful intentness at katerina ivanovna insolent creature cried katerina ivanovna as though suddenly grasping something she flushed all over and leapt up from her seat grushenka too got up but without haste so i shall tell mitya how you kissed my hand but i didn't kiss yours at all and how he will laugh vile slut go away ah for shame young lady ah for shame that's unbecoming for you dear young lady a word like that go away you're a creature for sale screamed katerina ivanovna every feature was working in her utterly distorted face for sale indeed you used to visit gentlemen in the dusk for money once you brought your beauty for sale you see i know katerina ivanovna shrieked and would have rushed at her but alyosha held her with all his strength not a step not a word don't speak don't answer her she'll go away she'll go at once at that instant katerina ivanovna's two aunts ran in at her cry and with them a maid-servant all hurried to her i will go away said grushenka taking up her mantle from the sofa alyosha darling see me home go away go away make haste cried alyosha clasping his hands imploringly dear little alyosha see me home i've got a pretty little story to tell you on the way i got up this scene for your benefit alyosha see me home dear you'll be glad of it afterwards alyosha turned away wringing his hands grushenka ran out of the house laughing musically katerina ivanovna went into a fit of hysterics she sobbed and was shaken with convulsions everyone fussed round her i warned you said the elder of her aunts i tried to prevent your doing this you're too impulsive how could you do such a thing you don't know these creatures 
and they say she's worse than any of them you are too self-willed she's a tigress yelled katerina ivanovna why did you hold me alexey fyodorovitch i'd have beaten her beaten her she could not control herself before alyosha perhaps she did not care to indeed she ought to be flogged in public on a scaffold alyosha withdrew towards the door but my god cried katerina ivanovna clasping her hands he 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 could be so dishonourable so inhuman why he told that creature what happened on that fatal accursed day you brought your beauty for sale dear young lady she knows it your brother's a scoundrel alexey fyodorovitch alyosha wanted to say something but he couldn't find a word his heart ached go away alexey fyodorovitch it's shameful it's awful for me to-morrow i beg you on my knees come to-morrow don't condemn me forgive me i don't know what i shall do with myself now alyosha walked out into the street reeling he could have wept as she did suddenly he was overtaken by the maid the young lady forgot to give you this letter from madame holikoff it's been left with us since dinner-time alyosha took the little pink envelope mechanically and put it almost unconsciously into his pocket end of section twenty three section twenty four of the brothers karamazov by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce peary book three chapter eleven another reputation ruined it was not much more than three-quarters of a mile from the town to the monastery alyosha walked quickly along the road at that hour deserted it was almost night and too dark to see anything clearly at thirty paces ahead there were cross-roads half-way a figure came into sight under a solitary willow at the cross-roads as soon as alyosha reached the cross-roads the figure moved out and rushed at him shouting savagely your money or your life so it's you mitya cried alyosha in surprise violently startled however <laughs> you didn't expect me i wondered where to wait for you by her house there are three ways from it and i might have missed you at last i thought of waiting here for you had to pass here there's no other way to the monastery come tell me the truth crush me like a beetle but what's the matter nothing brother it's the fright you gave me oh dmitri father's blood just now alyosha began to cry he had been on the verge of tears for a long time and now something seemed to snap in his soul you almost killed him cursed him and now here you're making jokes your money or your life well what of that it's not seemly is that it not suitable in my position no i only stay look at the night you see what a dark night what clouds what a wind has risen i hid here under the willow waiting for you and as god's above i suddenly thought why go on in misery any longer what is there to wait for here i have a willow a handkerchief a shirt i can twist them into a rope in a minute and braces besides and why go on burdening the earth dishonouring it with my vile presence 
and then i heard you coming heavens it was as though something flew down to me suddenly so there is a man then whom i love here he is that man my dear little brother whom i love more than anyone in the world the only one i love in the world and i loved you so much so much at that moment that i thought i'll fall on his neck at once then a stupid idea struck me to have a joke with you and scare you i shouted like a fool your money forgive my foolery it was only nonsense and there's nothing unseemly in my soul damn it all tell me what's happened what did she say strike me crush me don't spare me was she furious no not that there was nothing like that mitya there i found them both there both whom grushenka at katerina ivanovna's dmitri was struck dumb impossible he cried you're raving grushenka with her alyosha described all that had happened from the moment he went into katerina ivanovna's he was ten minutes telling his story he can't be said to have told it fluently and consecutively but he seemed to make it clear not omitting any word or action of significance and vividly describing often in one word his own sensations dmitri listened in silence gazing at him with a terrible fixed stare but it was clear to alyosha that he understood it all and had grasped every point but as the story went on his face became not merely gloomy but menacing he scowled he clenched his teeth and his fixed stare became still more rigid more concentrated more terrible when suddenly with incredible rapidity his wrathful savage face changed his tightly compressed lips parted and dmitri fyodorovitch broke into uncontrolled spontaneous laughter he literally shook with laughter for a long time he could not speak so she wouldn't kiss her hand so she didn't kiss it so she ran away he kept exclaiming with hysterical delight insolent delight it might have been called if it had not been so spontaneous so the other one called her tigress and a tigress she is so she ought to be flogged on a scaffold yes yes so she ought that's just what i think she ought to have been long ago it's like this brother let her be punished but i must get better first i understand the queen of impudence that's her all over you saw her all over in that hand-kissing the she-devil she's magnificent in her own line so she ran home i'll go ah, i'll run to her alyosha don't blame me i agree that hanging is too good for her but katerina ivanovna exclaimed alyosha sorrowfully i see her too i see right through her as i've never done before it's a regular discovery of the four continents of the world that is of the five what a thing to do that's just like katya who was not afraid to face a coarse unmannerly officer and risk a deadly insult on a generous impulse to save her father but the pride the recklessness the defiance of fate the unbounded defiance you say that aunt tried to stop her that aunt you know is overbearing herself 
she's the sister of the general's widow in moscow and even more stuck up than she but her husband was caught stealing government money he lost everything his estate and all and the proud wife had to lower her colors and hasn't raised them since so she tried to prevent katya but she wouldn't listen to her she thinks she can overcome everything that everything will give way to her she thought she could bewitch grushenka if she liked and she believed it herself she plays a part to herself and whose fault is it do you think she kissed grushenka's hand first on purpose with a motive no she really was fascinated by grushenka that's to say not by grushenka but by her own dream her own delusion because it was her dream her delusion alyosha darling how did you escape from them those women did you pick up your cassock and run <laughs> brother you don't seem to have noticed how you've insulted katerina ivanovna by telling grushenka about that day and she flung it in her face just now that she had gone to gentlemen in secret to sell her beauty brother what could be worse than that insult what worried alyosha more than anything was that incredible as it seemed his brother appeared pleased at katerina ivanovna's humiliation bah dmitri frowned fiercely and struck his forehead with his hand he only now realized it though alyosha had just told him of the insult and katerina ivanovna's cry your brother is a scoundrel yes perhaps i really did tell grushenka about that fatal day as katya calls it yes i did tell her i remember it was that time at Makro. i was drunk the gypsies were singing but i was sobbing i was sobbing then kneeling and praying to katya's image and grushenka understood it she understood it all then i remember she cried herself damn it all but it's bound to be so now then she cried but now the dagger in the heart that's how women are he looked down and sank into thought yes i am a scoundrel a thorough scoundrel he said suddenly in a gloomy voice it doesn't matter whether i cried or not i'm a scoundrel tell her i accept the name if that's any comfort come that's enough good-bye it's no use talking it's not amusing you go your way and i mine and i don't want to see you again except as a last resource good-bye alexey he warmly pressed alyosha's hand and still looking down without raising his head as though tearing himself away turned rapidly towards the town alyosha looked after him unable to believe he would go away so abruptly stay alexey one more confession to you alone cried dmitri suddenly turning back look at me look at me well you see here here there's terrible disgrace in store for me as he said here dmitri struck his chest with his fist with a strange air as though the dishonor lay precisely on his chest in some spot in a pocket perhaps or hanging round his neck 
you know me now a scoundrel an avowed scoundrel but let me tell you that i've never done anything before and never shall again anything that can compare in baseness with the dishonour which i bear now at this very minute on my breast here here which will come to pass though i'm perfectly free to stop it i can stop it or carry it through note that well let me tell you i shall carry it through i shan't stop it i told you everything just now but i didn't tell you this because even i had not brass enough for it i can still pull up if i do i can give back the full half of my lost honour to-morrow but i shan't pull up i shall carry out my base plan and you can bear witness that i told you so beforehand darkness and destruction no need to explain you'll find out in due time the filthy back-alley and the she-devil good-bye don't pray for me i'm not worth it and there's no need no need at all i don't need it away and he suddenly retreated this time finally alyosha went towards the monastery what i shall never see him again what is he saying he wondered wildly why i shall certainly see him to-morrow i shall look him up i shall make a point of it what does he mean he went round the monastery and crossed the pine wood to the hermitage the door was open to him though no one was admitted at that hour there was a tremor in his heart as he went into father zosima's cell why why had he gone forth why had he sent him into the world here was peace here was holiness but there was confusion there was darkness in which one lost one's way and went astray at once in the cell he found the novice porfiry and father paisi who came every hour to inquire after father zosima alyosha learnt with alarm that he was getting worse and worse even his usual discourse with the brothers could not take place that day as a rule every evening after service the monks flocked into father zosima's cell and all confessed aloud their sins of the day their sinful thoughts and temptations even their disputes if there had been any some confessed kneeling the elder absolved reconciled exhorted imposed penance blessed and dismissed them it was against this general confession that the opponents of elders protested maintaining that it was a profanation of the sacrament of confession almost a sacrilege though this was quite a different thing they even represented to the diocesan authorities that such confessions attained no good object but actually to a large extent led to sin and temptation many of the brothers disliked going to the elder and went against their own will because every one went and for fear they should be accused of pride and rebellious ideas people said that some of the monks agreed beforehand saying i'll confess i lost my temper with you this morning and you confirm it simply in order to have something to say alyosha knew that this actually happened sometimes 
he knew too that there were among the monks some who deeply resented the fact that letters from relations were habitually taken to the elder to be opened and read by him before those to whom they were addressed it was assumed of course that all this was done freely and in good faith by way of voluntary submission and salutary guidance but in fact there was sometimes no little insincerity and much that was false and strained in this practice yet the older and more experienced of the monks adhered to their opinion arguing that for those who have come within these walls sincerely seeking salvation such obedience and sacrifice will certainly be salutary and of great benefit those on the other hand who find it irksome and repine are no true monks and have made a mistake in entering the monastery their proper place is in the world even in the temple one cannot be safe from sin and the devil so it was no good taking it too much into account he is weaker a drowsiness has come over him father paisi whispered to alyosha as he blessed him it's difficult to rouse him and he must not be roused he waked up for five minutes sent his blessing to the brothers and begged their prayers for him at night he intends to take the sacrament again in the morning he remembered you alexey he asked whether you had gone away and was told that you were in the town i blessed him for that work he said his place is there not here for a while those were his words about you he remembered you lovingly with anxiety do you understand how he honored you but how is it that he has decided that you shall spend some time in the world he must have foreseen something in your destiny understand alexey that if you return to the world it must be to do the duty laid upon you by your elder and not for frivolous vanity and worldly pleasures father paisi went out alyosha had no doubt that father zasima was dying though he might live another day or two alyosha firmly and ardently resolved that in spite of his promises to his father the holokoffs and katerina ivanovna he would not leave the monastery next day but would remain with his elder to the end his heart glowed with love and he reproached himself bitterly for having been able for one instant to forget him whom he had left in the monastery on his deathbed and whom he honoured above every one in the world he went into father zasima's bedroom knelt down and bowed to the ground before the elder who slept quietly without stirring with regular hardly audible breathing and a peaceful face alyosha returned to the other room where father zasima had received his guests in the morning taking off his boots he lay down on the hard narrow leathern sofa which he had long used as a bed bringing nothing but a pillow the mattress about which his father had shouted to him that morning he had long forgotten to lie on he took off his cassock which he used as a covering but before going to bed he fell on his knees and prayed a long time in his fervent prayer he did not beseech god to lighten his darkness but only thirsted for the joyous emotion which always visited his soul after the praise and adoration of which his evening prayer usually consisted that joy always brought him light untroubled sleep as he was praying 
he suddenly felt in his pocket the little pink note the servant had handed him as he left katerina ivanovna's he was disturbed but finished his prayer then after some hesitation he opened the envelope in it was a letter to him signed by lise the young daughter of madame holikoff who had laughed at him before the elder in the morning alexey fyodorovitch she wrote i am writing to you without any one's knowledge even mamma's and i know how wrong it is but i cannot live without telling you the feeling that has sprung up in my heart and this no one but us two must know for a time but how am i to say what i want so much to tell you paper they say does not blush but i assure you it's not true and that it's blushing just as i am now all over dear alyosha i love you i've loved you from my childhood since our moscow days when you were very different from what you are now and i shall love you all my life my heart has chosen you to unite our lives and pass them together till our old age of course on condition that you will leave the monastery as for our age we will wait for the time fixed by the law by that time i shall certainly be quite strong i shall be walking and dancing there can be no doubt of that you see how i've thought of everything there's only one thing i can't imagine what you'll think of me when you read this i'm always laughing and being naughty i made you angry this morning but i assure you before i took up my pen i prayed before the image of the mother of god and now i'm praying and almost crying my secret is in your hands when you come to-morrow i don't know how i shall look at you ah alexey fyodorovitch what if i can't restrain myself like a silly and laugh when i look at you as i did to-day you'll think i'm a nasty girl making fun of you and you won't believe my letter and so i beg you dear one if you've any pity for me when you come to-morrow don't look me straight in the face for if i meet your eyes it will be sure to make me laugh especially as you'll be in that long gown i feel cold all over when i think of it so when you come don't look at me at all for a time look at mamma or at the window here i've written you a love letter oh dear what have i done alyosha don't despise me and if i've done something very horrid and wounded you forgive me now the secret of my reputation ruined perhaps forever is in your hands i shall certainly cry to-day good-bye till our meeting our awful meeting please p s alyosha you must 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 come please alyosha read the note in amazement read it through twice thought a little and suddenly laughed a soft sweet laugh he started that laugh seemed to him sinful but a minute later he laughed again just as softly and happily he slowly replaced the note in the envelope crossed himself and lay down the agitation in his heart passed at once god have mercy upon all of them have all these unhappy and turbulent souls in thy keeping and set them in the right path all ways are thine save them according to thy wisdom thou art love thou wilt send joy to all alyosha murmured crossing himself 
and falling into peaceful sleep end of section 24section twenty five of the brothers karamazov by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce peary book four lacerations chapter one father Ferapont. alyosha was roused early before daybreak father zosima woke up feeling very weak though he wanted to get out of bed and sit up in a chair his mind was quite clear his face looked very tired yet bright and almost joyful it wore an expression of gaiety kindness and cordiality maybe i shall not live through the coming day he said to alyosha then he desired to confess and take the sacrament at once he always confessed to father paisi after taking the communion the service of extreme unction followed the monks assembled and the cell was gradually filled up by the inmates of the hermitage meantime it was daylight people began coming from the monastery after the service was over the elder desired to kiss and take leave of everyone as the cell was so small the earlier visitors withdrew to make room for others alyosha stood beside the elder who was seated again in his armchair he talked as much as he could though his voice was weak it was fairly steady i've been teaching you so many years and therefore i've been talking aloud so many years that i've got into the habit of talking and so much so that it's almost more difficult for me to hold my tongue than to talk even now in spite of my weakness dear fathers and brothers he jested looking with emotion at the group round him Alyosha remembered afterwards something of what he said to them but though he spoke out distinctly and his voice was fairly steady his speech was somewhat disconnected he spoke of many things he seemed anxious before the moment of death to say everything he had not said in his life and not simply for the sake of instructing them but as though thirsting to share with all men and all creation his joy and ecstasy and once more in his life to open his whole heart love one another fathers said father zosima as far as alyosha could remember afterwards love god's people because we have come here and shut ourselves within these walls we are no holier than those who are outside but on the contrary from the very fact of coming here each of us has confessed to himself that he is worse than others than all men on earth and the longer the monk lives in his seclusion the more keenly he must recognize that else he would have had no reason to come here when he realizes that he is not only worse than others but that he is responsible to all men for all and everything for all human sins national and individual only then the aim of our seclusion is attained for know dear ones that every one of us is undoubtedly responsible for all men and everything on earth not merely through the general sinfulness of creation but each one personally for all mankind and every individual man this knowledge is the crown of life for the monk and for every man for monks are not a special sort of men but only what all men ought to be 
only through that knowledge our heart grows soft with infinite universal inexhaustible love then every one of you will have the power to win over the whole world by love and to wash away the sins of the world with your tears each of you keep watch over your heart and confess your sins to yourself unceasingly be not afraid of your sins even when perceiving them if only there be penitence but make no conditions with god again i say be not proud be proud neither to the little nor to the great hate not those who reject you who insult you who abuse and slander you hate not the atheists the teachers of evil the materialists and i mean not only the good ones for there are many good ones among them especially in our day hate not even the wicked ones remember them in your prayers thus save o lord all those who have none to pray for them save too all those who will not pray and add it is not in pride that i make this prayer o lord for i am lower than all men love god's people let not strangers draw away the flock for if you slumber in your slothfulness and disdainful pride or worse still in covetousness they will come from all sides and draw away your flock expound the gospel to the people unceasingly be not extortionate do not love gold and silver do not hoard them have faith cling to the banner and raise it on high but the elder spoke more disconnectedly than alyosha reported his words afterwards sometimes he broke off altogether as though to take breath and recover his strength but he was in a sort of ecstasy they heard him with emotion though many wondered at his words and found them obscure afterwards all remembered those words when alyosha happened for a moment to leave the cell he was struck by the general excitement and suspense in the monks who were crowding about it this anticipation showed itself in some by anxiety in others by devout solemnity all were expecting that some marvel would happen immediately after the elder's death their suspense was from one point of view almost frivolous but even the most austere of the monks were affected by it father Parisi's face looked the gravest of all alyosha was mysteriously summoned by a monk to see rakitin who had arrived from town with a singular letter for him from madame holikoff in it she informed alyosha of a strange and very opportune incident it appeared that among the women who had come on the previous day to receive father zasima's blessing there had been an old woman from the town a sergeant's widow called prohorovna she had inquired whether she might pray for the rest of the soul of her son vasenka who had gone to irkutsk and had sent her no news for over a year to which father zasima had answered sternly forbidding her to do so and saying that to pray for the living as though they were dead was a kind of sorcery he afterwards forgave her on account of her ignorance and added as though reading the book of the future this was madame holikoff's expression words of comfort that her son vasya was certainly alive and he would either come himself very shortly or send a letter and that she was to go home and expect him and 
would you believe it exclaimed madame holikoff enthusiastically the prophecy has been fulfilled literally indeed and more than that scarcely had the old woman reached home when they gave her a letter from siberia which had been awaiting her but that was not all in the letter written on the road from ekaterinenburg vasya informed his mother that he was returning to russia with an official and that three weeks after her receiving the letter he hoped to embrace his mother madame holikoff warmly entreated alyosha to report this new miracle of prediction to the superior and all the brotherhood all all ought to know of it she concluded the letter had been written in haste the excitement of the writer was apparent in every line of it but alyosha had no need to tell the monks for all knew of it already rakitin had commissioned the monk who brought his message to inform most respectfully his reverence father paisi that he rakitin has a matter to speak of with him of such gravity that he dare not defer it for a moment and humbly begs forgiveness for his presumption as the monk had given the message to father paisi before that to alyosha the latter found after reading the letter there was nothing left for him to do but to hand it to father paisi in confirmation of the story and even that austere and cautious man though he frowned as he read the news of the miracle could not completely restrain some inner emotion his eyes gleamed and a grave and solemn smile came into his lips we shall see greater things broke from him we shall see greater things greater things yet the monks around repeated but father paisi frowning again begged all of them at least for a time not to speak of the matter till it be more fully confirmed seeing there is so much credulity among those of this world and indeed this might well have chanced naturally he added prudently as it were to satisfy his conscience though scarcely believing his own disavowal a fact his listeners very clearly perceived within the hour the miracle was of course known to the whole monastery and many visitors who had come for the mass no one seemed more impressed by it than the monk who had come the day before from st sylvester from the little monastery of obdorsk in the far north it was he who had been standing near madame holikoff the previous day and had asked father zasima earnestly referring to the healing of the lady's daughter how can you presume to do such things he was now somewhat puzzled and did not know whom to believe the evening before he had visited father ferapont in his cell apart behind the apiary and had been greatly impressed and overawed by the visit this father ferapont was that aged monk so devout in fasting and observing silence who has been mentioned already as antagonistic to father zasima and the whole institution of elders which he regarded as a pernicious and frivolous innovation he was a very formidable opponent although from his practice of silence he scarcely spoke a word to any one what made him formidable was that a number of monks fully shared his feeling and many of the visitors looked upon him as a great saint and ascetic although they had no doubt that he was crazy but it was just his craziness attracted them 
father ferapont never went to see the elder though he lived in the hermitage they did not worry him to keep its regulations and this too because he behaved as though he were crazy he was seventy-five or more and he lived in a corner beyond the apiary in an old decaying wooden cell which had been built long ago for another great ascetic father Yona, who had lived to be a hundred and five and of whose saintly doings many curious stories were still extant in the monastery and the neighbourhood father ferapont had succeeded in getting himself installed in this same solitary cell seven years previously it was simply a peasant's hut though it looked like a chapel for it contained an extraordinary number of icons with lamps perpetually burning before them which men brought to the monastery as offerings to god father ferapont had been appointed to look after them and keep the lamps burning it was said and indeed it was true that he ate only two pounds of bread in three days the beekeeper who lived close by the apiary used to bring him the bread every three days and even to this man who waited upon him father ferapont rarely uttered a word the four pounds of bread together with the sacrament bread regularly sent him on sundays after the late mass by the father superior made up his weekly rations the water in his jug was changed every day he rarely appeared at mass visitors who came to do him homage saw him sometimes kneeling all day long at prayer without looking round if he addressed them he was brief abrupt strange and almost always rude on very rare occasions however he would talk to visitors but for the most part he would utter some one strange saying which was a complete riddle and no entreaties would induce him to pronounce a word in explanation he was not a priest but a simple monk there was a strange belief chiefly however among the most ignorant that father ferapont had communication with heavenly spirits and would only converse with them and so was silent with men the monk from obdorsk having been directed to the apiary by the beekeeper who was also a very silent and surly monk went to the corner where father ferapont's cell stood maybe he will speak as you are a stranger and maybe you'll get nothing out of him the beekeeper had warned him the monk as he related afterwards approached in the utmost apprehension it was rather late in the evening father ferapont was sitting at the door of his cell on a low bench a huge old elm was lightly rustling overhead there was an evening freshness in the air the monk from obdorsk bowed down before the saint and asked his blessing do you want me to bow down to you monk said father ferapont get up the monk got up blessing be blessed sit beside me where have you come from what most struck the poor monk was the fact that in spite of his strict fasting and great age father ferapont still looked a vigorous old man he was tall held himself erect and had a thin but fresh and healthy face there was no doubt he still had considerable strength he was of athletic build in spite of his great age he was not even quite gray and still had very thick hair and a full beard both of which had once been black his eyes were gray large and luminous but strikingly prominent he spoke with a broad accent 
he was dressed in a peasant's long reddish coat of coarse convict cloth as it used to be called and had a stout rope round his waist his throat and chest were bare beneath his coat his shirt of the coarsest linen showed almost black with dirt not having been changed for months they said that he wore irons weighing thirty pounds under his coat his stockingless feet were thrust in old slippers almost dropping to pieces from the little obdorsk monastery from saint sylvester the monk answered humbly whilst his keen and inquisitive but rather frightened little eyes kept watch on the hermit i have been at your sylvester's i used to stay there is sylvester well the monk hesitated you are a senseless lot how do you keep the fasts our dietary is according to the ancient conventual rules during lent there are no meals provided for monday wednesday and friday for tuesday and thursday we have white bread stewed fruit with honey wild berries or salt cabbage and wholemeal stirabout on saturday white cabbage soup noodles with peas kasha all with hemp oil on weekdays we have dried fish and kasha with the cabbage soup from monday till saturday evening six whole days in holy week nothing is cooked and we have only bread and water and that sparingly if possible not taking food every day just the same as is ordered for first week in lent on good friday nothing is eaten in the same way on the saturday we have to fast till three o'clock and then take a little bread and water and drink a single cup of wine on holy thursday we drink wine and have something cooked without oil or not cooked at all inasmuch as the laodicean council lays down for holy thursday it is unseemly by remitting the fast on the holy thursday to dishonor the whole of lent that is how we keep the fast but what is that compared with you holy father added the monk growing more confident for all the year round even at easter you take nothing but bread and water and what we should eat in two days lasts you full seven it's truly marvellous your great abstinence and mushrooms asked father Ferapont suddenly mushrooms repeated the surprised monk yes i can give up their bread not needing it at all and go away into the forest and live there on the mushrooms or the berries but they can't give up their bread here wherefore they are in bondage to the devil nowadays the unclean deny that there is need of such fasting haughty and unclean is their judgment ach true sighed the monk and have you seen devils among them asked Ferapont among them among whom asked the monk timidly i went to the father superior on trinity sunday last year i haven't been since i saw a devil sitting on one man's chest hiding under his cassock only his horns poked out another had one peeping out of his pocket with such sharp eyes he was afraid of me another settled in the unclean belly of one another was hanging round a man's neck and so he was carrying him about without seeing him you can see spirits the monk inquired i tell you i can see i can see through them 
when i was coming out from the superiors i saw one hiding from me behind the door and a big one a yard and a half or more high with a thick long gray tail and the tip of his tail was in the crack of the door and i was quick and slammed the door pinching his tail in it he squealed and began to struggle and i made the sign of the cross over him three times and he died on the spot like a crushed spider he must have rotted there in the corner and be stinking but they don't see they don't smell it it's a year since i have been there i reveal it to you as you are a stranger your words are terrible but holy and blessed father said the monk growing bolder and bolder is it true as they noise abroad even to distant lands about you that you are in continual communication with the holy ghost he does fly down at times how does he fly down in what form as a bird the holy ghost in the form of a dove there's the holy ghost and there's the holy spirit the holy spirit can appear as other birds sometimes as a swallow sometimes a goldfinch and sometimes as a blue tit how do you know him from an ordinary tit he speaks how does he speak in what language human language and what does he tell you why to-day he told me that a fool would visit me and would ask me unseemly questions you want to know too much monk terrible are your words most holy and blessed father the monk shook his head but there was a doubtful look in his frightened little eyes do you see this tree asked father Farapont after a pause i do blessed father you think it's an elm but for me it has another shape what sort of shape inquired the monk after a pause of vain expectation it happens at night you see those two branches in the night it is christ holding out his arms to me and seeking me with those arms i see it clearly and tremble it's terrible terrible what is there terrible if it's christ himself why he'll snatch me up and carry me away alive in the spirit and glory of elijah haven't you heard he will take me in his arms and bear me away though the monk returned to the cell he was sharing with one of the brothers in considerable perplexity of mind he still cherished at heart a greater reverence for father Farapont than for father zassima he was strongly in favor of fasting and it was not strange that one who kept so rigid a fast as father Farapont should see marvels his words seemed certainly queer but god only could tell what was hidden in those words and were not worse words and acts commonly seen in those who have sacrificed their intellects for the glory of god the pinching of the devil's tail he was ready and eager to believe and not only in the figurative sense besides he had before visiting the monastery a strong prejudice against the institution of elders which he only knew of by hearsay and believed to be a pernicious innovation before he had been long at the monastery he had detected the secret murmurings of some shallow brothers who disliked the institution 
he was besides a meddlesome inquisitive man who poked his nose into everything this was why the news of the fresh miracle performed by father zassima reduced him to extreme perplexity alyosha remembered afterwards how their inquisitive guest from obdorsk had been continually flitting to and fro from one group to another listening and asking questions among the monks that were crowding within and without the elder's cell but he did not pay much attention to him at the time and only recollected it afterwards he had no thought to spare for it indeed for when father zossima feeling tired again had gone back to bed he thought of alyosha as he was closing his eyes and sent for him alyosha ran at once there was no one else in the cell but father paisi father yosef and the novice porfiry the elder opening his weary eyes and looking intently at alyosha asked him suddenly are your people expecting you my son alyosha hesitated haven't they need of you didn't you promise someone yesterday to see them today i did promise to my father my brothers others too you see you must go don't grieve be sure i shall not die without your being by to hear my last word to you i will say that word my son it will be my last gift to you to you dear son because you love me but now go to keep your promise alyosha immediately obeyed though it was hard to go but the promise that he should hear his last word on earth that it should be the last gift to him alyosha sent a thrill of rapture through his soul he made haste that he might finish what he had to do in the town and return quickly father paisi too uttered some words of exhortation which moved and surprised him greatly he spoke as they left the cell together remember young man unceasingly father paisi began without preface that the science of this world which has become a great power has especially in the last century analyzed everything divine handed down to us in the holy books after this cruel analysis the learned of this world have nothing left of all that was sacred of old but they have only analyzed the parts and overlooked the whole and indeed their blindness is marvelous yet the whole still stands steadfast before their eyes and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it has it not lasted nineteen centuries is it not still a living a moving power in the individual soul and in the masses of people it is still as strong and living even in the souls of atheists who have destroyed everything for even those who have renounced christianity and attack it in their inmost being still follow the christian ideal for hitherto neither their subtlety nor the ardor of their hearts has been able to create a higher ideal of man and of virtue than the ideal given by christ of old when it has been attempted the result has been only grotesque remember this especially young man since you are being sent into the world by your departing elder maybe remembering this great day you will not forget my words uttered from the heart for your guidance seeing you are young and the temptations of the world are great and beyond your strength to endure well now go 
my orphan with these words father paisi blessed him as alyosha left the monastery and thought them over he suddenly realized that he had met a new and unexpected friend a warmly loving teacher in this austere monk who had hitherto treated him sternly it was as though father zassima had bequeathed him to him at his death and perhaps that's just what had passed between them alyosha thought suddenly the philosophic reflections he had just heard so unexpectedly testified to the warmth of father paisi's heart he was in haste to arm the boy's mind for conflict with temptation and to guard the young soul left in his charge with the strongest defence he could imagine End of section twenty five. Section twenty six of the Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Book four, chapter two. At his father's. First of all, Alyosha went to his father on the way he remembered that his father had insisted the day before that he should come without his brother ivan seeing him why so alyosha wondered suddenly even if my father has something to say to me alone why should i go in unseen most likely in his excitement yesterday he meant to say something different he decided yet he was very glad when marfa ignatyevna who opened the garden gate to him grigory it appeared was ill in bed in the lodge told him in answer to his question that ivan fyodorovitch had gone out two hours ago and my father he is up taking his coffee marfa answered somewhat dryly alyosha went in the old man was sitting alone at the table wearing slippers and a little old overcoat he was amusing himself by looking through some accounts rather inattentively however he was quite alone in the house for smerdyakov too had gone out marketing though he had got up early and was trying to put a bold face on it he looked tired and weak his forehead upon which huge purple bruises had come out during the night was bandaged with a red handkerchief his nose too had swollen terribly in the night and some smaller bruises covered it in patches giving his whole face a peculiarly spiteful and irritable look the old man was aware of this and turned a hostile glance on alyosha as he came in the coffee is cold he cried harshly i won't offer you any i've ordered nothing but a lenten fish soup to-day and i don't invite anyone to share it why have you come to find out how you are said alyosha yes besides i told you to come yesterday it's all of no consequence you need not have troubled but i knew you'd come poking in directly he said this with almost hostile feeling at the same time he got up and looked anxiously in the looking-glass perhaps for the fortieth time that morning at his nose he began too binding his red handkerchief more becomingly on his forehead red's better it's just like the hospital in a white one he observed sententiously well how are things over there how is your elder he is very bad he may die to-day answered alyosha but his father had not listened and had forgotten his own question at once ivan's gone out 
he said suddenly he is doing his utmost to carry off mitch's betrothed that's what he is staying here for he added maliciously and twisting his mouth looked at alyosha surely he did not tell you so asked alyosha yes he did long ago would you believe it he told me three weeks ago you don't suppose he too came to murder me do you he must have had some object in coming what do you mean why do you say such things said alyosha troubled he doesn't ask for money it's true but yet he won't get a farthing from me i intend living as long as possible you may as well know my dear alexey fyodorovitch and so i need every farthing and the longer i live the more i shall need it he continued pacing from one corner of the room to the other keeping his hands in the pockets of his loose greasy overcoat made of yellow cotton material i can still pass for a man at five-and-fifty but i want to pass for one for another twenty years as i get older you know i shan't be a pretty object the wenches won't come to me of their own accord so i shall want my money so i am saving up more and more simply for myself my dear son alexey fyodorovitch you may as well know for i mean to go on in my sins to the end let me tell you for sin is sweet all abuse it but all men live in it only others do it on the sly and i openly and so all the other sinners fall upon me for being so simple and your paradise alexey fyodorovitch is not to my taste let me tell you that and it's not the proper place for a gentleman your paradise even if it exists i believe that i fall asleep and don't wake up again and that's all you can pray for my soul if you like and if you don't want to don't damn you that's my philosophy ivan talked well here yesterday though we were all drunk ivan is a conceited coxcomb but he has no particular learning nor education either he sits silent and smiles at one without speaking that's what pulls him through alyosha listened to him in silence why won't he talk to me if he does speak he gives himself airs your ivan is a scoundrel and i'll marry grushenka in a minute if i want to for if you've money alexey fyodorovitch you have only to want a thing and you can have it that's what ivan is afraid of he's on the watch to prevent me getting married and that's why he is egging on mitya to marry grushenka himself he hopes to keep me from grushenka by that as though i should leave him my money if i don't marry her besides if mitya marries grushenka ivan will carry off his rich betrothed that's what he's reckoning on he is a scoundrel your ivan how cross you are it's because of yesterday you had better lie down said alyosha there you say that the old man observed suddenly as though it had struck him for the first time and i am not angry with you but if ivan said it i should be angry with him it is only with you i have good moments else you know i am an ill-natured man you are not ill-natured but distorted said alyosha with a smile listen i meant this morning to get that ruffian mitya locked up and i don't know now what i shall decide about it of course in these fashionable days fathers and mothers are looked upon as a prejudice 
but even now the law does not allow you to drag your old father about by the hair to kick him in the face in his own house and brag of murdering him outright all in the presence of witnesses if i liked i could crush him and could have him locked up at once for what he did yesterday then you don't mean to take proceedings ivan has dissuaded me i shouldn't care about ivan but there's another thing and bending down to alyosha he went on in a confidential half-whisper if i send the ruffian to prison she'll hear of it and run to see him at once but if she hears that he has beaten me a weak old man within an inch of my life she may give him up and come to me for that's her way everything by contraries i know her through and through won't you have a drop of brandy take some cold coffee and i'll pour a quarter of a glass of brandy into it it's delicious my boy no thank you i'll take that roll with me if i may said alyosha and taking a halfpenny french roll he put it in the pocket of his cassock and you'd better not have brandy either he suggested apprehensively looking into the old man's face you are quite right it irritates my nerves instead of soothing them only one little glass i'll get it out of the cupboard he unlocked the cupboard poured out a glass drank it then locked the cupboard and put the key back in his pocket that's enough one glass won't kill me you see you are in a better humor now said alyosha smiling hmm. i love you even without the brandy but with scoundrels i am a scoundrel ivan is not going to chemashnya why is that he wants to spy how much i give krushenka if she comes they are all scoundrels but i don't recognize ivan i don't know him at all where does he come from he is not one of us in soul as though i'd leave him anything i shan't leave a will at all you may as well know and i'll crush mitya like a beetle i squash black beetles at night with my slipper they squelch when you tread on them and your mitya will squelch too your mitya for you love him yes you love him and i am not afraid of your loving him but if ivan loved him i should be afraid for myself at his loving him but ivan loves nobody ivan is not one of us people like ivan are not our sort my boy they are like a cloud of dust when the wind blows the dust will be gone i had a silly idea in my head when i told you to come to-day i wanted to find out from you about mitya if i were to hand him over a thousand or maybe two now would the beggarly wretch agree to take himself off altogether for five years or better still thirty-five and without krushenka and give her up once for all eh i'll i'll ask him muttered alyosha if you would give him three thousand perhaps he that's nonsense you needn't ask him now no need i've changed my mind it was a nonsensical idea of mine i won't give him anything not a penny i want my money myself cried the old man waving his hand i'll crush him like a beetle without it don't say anything to him or else he will begin hoping there's nothing for you to do here you needn't stay 
is that betrothed of his katerina ivanovna whom he has kept so carefully hidden from me all this time going to marry him or not you went to see her yesterday i believe nothing will induce her to abandon him there you see how dearly these fine young ladies love a rake and a scoundrel they are poor creatures i tell you those pale young ladies very different from ah, if i had his youth and the looks i had then for i was better looking than he at eight-and-twenty i'd have been a conquering hero just as he is he is a low cad but he shan't have grushenka anyway he shan't i'll crush him his anger had returned with the last words you can go there's nothing for you to do here to-day he snapped harshly alyosha went up to say good-bye to him and kissed him on the shoulder what's that for the old man was a little surprised we shall see each other again or do you think we shan't not at all i didn't mean anything nor did i i did not mean anything said the old man looking at him listen listen he shouted after him make haste and come again and i'll have a fish soup for you a fine one not like to-day be sure to come come to-morrow do you hear to-morrow and as soon as alyosha had gone out of the door he went to the cupboard again and poured out another half-glass i won't have more he muttered clearing his throat and again he locked the cupboard and put the key in his pocket then he went into his bedroom lay down on the bed exhausted and in one minute he was asleep end of section twenty six section twenty seven of the brothers karamazov by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce peary book four chapter three a meeting with the schoolboys thank goodness he did not ask me about grushenka thought alyosha as he left his father's house and turned towards madame holikoff's or i might have to tell him of my meeting with grushenka yesterday alyosha felt painfully that since yesterday both combatants had renewed their energies and that their hearts had grown hard again father is spiteful and angry he's made some plan and will stick to it and what of dmitri he too will be harder than yesterday he too must be spiteful and angry and he too no doubt has made some plan oh i must succeed in finding him to-day whatever happens but alyosha had not long to meditate an incident occurred on the road which though apparently of little consequence made a great impression on him just after he had crossed the square and turned the corner coming out into mihailovsky street which is divided by a small ditch from the high street our whole town is intersected by ditches he saw a group of schoolboys between the ages of nine and twelve at the bridge they were going home from school some with their bags on their shoulders others with leather satchels slung across them some in short jackets others in little overcoats some even had those high boots with creases round the ankles such as little boys spoilt by rich fathers love to wear the whole group was talking eagerly about something apparently holding a council 
alyosha had never from his moscow days been able to pass children without taking notice of them and although he was particularly fond of children of three or thereabout he liked schoolboys of ten and eleven too and so anxious as he was to-day he wanted at once to turn aside to talk to them he looked into their excited rosy faces and noticed at once that all the boys had stones in their hands behind the ditch some thirty paces away there was another schoolboy standing by a fence he too had a satchel at his side he was about ten years old pale delicate-looking and with sparkling black eyes he kept an attentive and anxious watch on the other six obviously his schoolfellows with whom he had just come out of school but with whom he had evidently had a feud alyosha went up and addressing a fair curly-headed rosy boy in a black jacket observed when i used to wear a satchel like yours i always used to carry it on my left side so as to have my right hand free but you've got yours on your right side so it will be awkward for you to get at it alyosha had no art or premeditation in beginning with this practical remark but it is the only way for a grown-up person to get at once into confidential relations with a child or still more with a group of children one must begin in a serious business-like way so as to be on a perfectly equal footing alyosha understood it by instinct but he is left-handed another a fine healthy-looking boy of eleven answered promptly all the others stared at alyosha he even throws stones with his left hand observed a third at that instant a stone flew into the group but only just grazed the left-handed boy though it was well and vigorously thrown by the boy standing the other side of the ditch give it him hit him back smurov they all shouted but smurov the left-handed boy needed no telling and at once revenged himself he threw a stone but it missed the boy and hit the ground the boy the other side of the ditch the pocket of whose coat was visibly bulging with stones flung another stone at the group this time it flew straight at alyosha and hit him painfully on the shoulder he aimed it at you he meant it for you you are karamazov karamazov the boys shouted laughing come all throw at him at once and six stones flew at the boy one struck the boy on the head and he fell down but at once leapt up and began ferociously returning their fire both sides threw stones incessantly many of the group had their pockets full too what are you about aren't you ashamed six against one why you'll kill him cried alyosha he ran forward and met the flying stones to screen the solitary boy three or four ceased throwing for a minute he began first cried a boy in a red shirt in an angry childish voice he is a beast he stabbed krasotkin in class the other day with a penknife it bled krasotkin wouldn't tell tales but he must be thrashed but what for i suppose you tease him there he sent a stone in your back again he knows you cried the children it's you he's throwing at now not us come all of you at him again don't miss smurov and again a fire of stones and a very vicious one began 
the boy the other side of the ditch was hit in the chest he screamed began to cry and ran away uphill towards mihailovsky street they all shouted aha he's funking he is running away wisp of toe you don't know what a beast he is karamazov killing is too good for him said the boy in the jacket with flashing eyes he seemed to be the eldest what's wrong with him asked alyosha is he a tell-tale or what the boys looked at one another as though derisively are you going that way to mihailovsky the same boy went on catch him up you see he's stopped again he's waiting and looking at you he is looking at you the other boys chimed in you ask him does he like a dishevelled wisp of tow do you hear ask him that there was a general burst of laughter alyosha looked at them and they at him don't go near him he'll hurt you cried smurov in a warning voice i shan't ask him about the wisp of tow for i expect you tease him with that question somehow but i'll find out from him why you hate him so find out then find out cried the boys laughing alyosha crossed the bridge and walked uphill by the fence straight towards the boy you'd better look out the boys called after him he won't be afraid of you he will stab you in a minute on the sly as he did krasotkin the boy waited for him without budging coming up to him alyosha saw facing him a child of about nine years old he was an undersized weakly boy with a thin pale face with large dark eyes that gazed at him vindictively he was dressed in a rather shabby old overcoat which he had monstrously outgrown his bare arms stuck out beyond his sleeves there was a large patch on the right knee of his trousers and in his right boot just at the toe there was a big hole in the leather carefully blackened with ink both the pockets of his greatcoat were weighed down with stones alyosha stopped two steps in front of him looking inquiringly at him the boy seeing at once from alyosha's eyes that he wouldn't beat him became less defiant and addressed him first i am alone and there are six of them i'll beat them all alone he said suddenly with flashing eyes i think one of the stones must have hurt you badly observed alyosha but i hit smurov on the head cried the boy they told me that you know me and that you threw a stone at me on purpose said alyosha the boy looked darkly at him i don't know you do you know me alyosha continued let me alone the boy cried irritably but he did not move as though he were expecting something and again there was a vindictive light in his eyes very well i am going said alyosha only i don't know you and i don't tease you they told me how they tease you but i don't want to tease you good-bye monk in silk trousers cried the boy following alyosha with the same vindictive and defiant expression and he threw himself into an attitude of defence feeling sure that now alyosha would fall upon him but alyosha turned looked at him and walked away he had not gone three steps before the biggest stone the boy had in his pocket hit him a painful blow in the back 
so you'll hit a man from behind they tell the truth then when they say that you attack on the sly said alyosha turning round again this time the boy threw a stone savagely right into alyosha's face but alyosha just had time to guard himself and the stone struck him on the elbow aren't you ashamed what have i done to you he cried the boy waited in silent defiance certain that now alyosha would attack him seeing that even now he would not his rage was like a little wild beast's he flew at alyosha himself and before alyosha had time to move the spiteful child had seized his left hand with both of his and bit his middle finger he fixed his teeth in it and it was ten seconds before he let go alyosha cried out with pain and pulled his finger away with all his might the child let go at last and retreated to his former distance alyosha's finger had been badly bitten to the bone close to the nail it began to bleed alyosha took out his handkerchief and bound it tightly round his injured hand he was a full minute bandaging it the boy stood waiting all the time at last alyosha raised his gentle eyes and looked at him very well he said you see how badly you've bitten me that's enough isn't it now tell me what have i done to you the boy stared in amazement though i don't know you and it's the first time i've seen you alyosha went on with the same serenity yet i must have done something to you you wouldn't have hurt me like this for nothing so what have i done how have i wronged you tell me instead of answering the boy broke into a loud tearful wail and ran away alyosha walked slowly after him towards mihailovsky street and for a long time he saw the child running in the distance as fast as ever not turning his head and no doubt still keeping up his tearful wail he made up his mind to find him out as soon as he had time and to solve this mystery just now he had not the time end of section twenty seven section twenty eight of the brothers karamazov by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce peary book four chapter four at the holokovs alyosha soon reached madame holokov's house a handsome stone house of two stories one of the finest in our town though madame holokov spent most of her time in another province where she had an estate or in moscow where she had a house of her own yet she had a house in our town too inherited from her forefathers the estate in our district was the largest of her three estates yet she had been very little in our province before this time she ran out to alyosha in the hall did you get my letter about the new miracle she spoke rapidly and nervously yes did you show it to everyone he restored the son to his mother he is dying to-day said alyosha i have heard i know oh how i long to talk to you to you or someone about all this no to you to you and how sorry i am i can't see him the whole town is in excitement they are all suspense but now 
do you know katerina ivanovna is here now ah that's lucky cried alyosha then i shall see her here she told me yesterday to be sure to come and see her to-day i know i know all i've heard exactly what happened yesterday and the atrocious behaviour of that creature c'est tragique and if i'd been in her place i don't know what i should have done and your brother dmitri fyodorovitch what do you think of him my goodness alexey fyodorovitch i am forgetting only fancy your brother is in there with her not that dreadful brother who was so shocking yesterday but the other ivan fyodorovitch he is sitting with her talking they are having a serious conversation if you could only imagine what's passing between them now it's awful i tell you it's lacerating it's like some incredible tale of horror they are ruining their lives for no reason anyone can see they both recognize it and revel in it i've been watching for you i've been thirsting for you it's too much for me that's the worst of it i'll tell you all about it presently but now i must speak of something else the most important thing i had quite forgotten what's most important tell me why has lise been in hysterics as soon as she heard you were here she began to be hysterical mamma it's you who are hysterical now not i lise's voice carolled through a tiny crack of the door at the side her voice sounded as though she wanted to laugh but was doing her utmost to control it alyosha at once noticed the crack and no doubt lise was peeping through it but that he could not see and no wonder lise no wonder your caprices will make me hysterical too but she is so ill alexey fyodorovitch she has been so ill all night feverish and moaning i could hardly wait for the morning and for herzenstube to come he says that he can make nothing of it that we must wait herzenstube always comes and says that he can make nothing of it as soon as you approached the house she screamed fell into hysterics and insisted on being wheeled back into this room here mamma i didn't know he had come it wasn't on his account i wanted to be wheeled into this room that's not true lise yulia ran to tell you that alexey fyodorovitch was coming she was on the lookout for you my darling mamma it's not at all clever of you but if you want to make up for it and say something very clever dear mamma you'd better tell our honoured visitor alexey fyodorovitch that he has shown his want of wit by venturing to us after what happened yesterday and although everyone is laughing at him please you go too far i declare i shall have to be severe who laughs at him i am so glad he has come i need him i can't do without him oh alexey fyodorovitch i am exceedingly unhappy but what's the matter with you mamma darling ah your caprices please your fidgetiness your illness that awful night of fever that awful everlasting herzenstube everlasting everlasting that's the worst of it everything in fact everything even that miracle too oh how it has upset me how it has shattered me that miracle dear alexey fyodorovitch and that tragedy in the drawing-room it's more than i can bear i warn you i can't bear it a comedy perhaps not a tragedy tell me will father zossima live till to-morrow will he 
oh my god what is happening to me every minute i close my eyes and see that it's all nonsense all nonsense i should be very grateful alyosha interrupted suddenly if you could give me a clean rag to bind up my finger with i have hurt it and it's very painful alyosha unbound his bitten finger the handkerchief was soaked with blood madame holikoff screamed and shut her eyes good heavens what a wound how awful but as soon as lise saw alyosha's finger through the crack she flung the door wide open come come here she cried imperiously no nonsense now good heavens why did you stand there saying nothing about it all this time he might have bled to death mamma how did you do it water water you must wash it first of all simply hold it in cold water to stop the pain and keep it there keep it there make haste mamma some water in a slop basin but do make haste she finished nervously she was quite frightened at the sight of alyosha's wound shouldn't we send for herzenstube cried madame holikoff mamma you'll be the death of me your herzenstube will come and say that he can make nothing of it water water mamma for goodness sake go yourself and hurry yulia she is such a slow coach and never can come quickly make haste mamma or i shall die why it's nothing much cried alyosha frightened at this alarm yulia ran in with water and alyosha put his finger in it some lint mamma for mercy's sake bring some lint and that muddy caustic lotion for wounds what's it called we've got some you know where the bottle is mamma it's in your bedroom in the right-hand cupboard there's a big bottle of it there with the lint i'll bring everything in a minute lise only don't scream and don't fuss you see how bravely alexey fyodorovitch bears it where did you get such a dreadful wound alexey fyodorovitch madame holikoff hastened away this was all lise was waiting for first of all answer the question where did you get hurt like this she asked alyosha quickly and then i'll talk to you about something quite different well instinctively feeling that the time of her mother's absence was precious for her alyosha hastened to tell her of his enigmatic meeting with the schoolboys in the fewest words possible lise clasped her hands at his story how can you and in that dress too associate with schoolboys she cried angrily as though she had a right to control him you are nothing but a boy yourself if you can do that a perfect boy but you must find out for me about that horrid boy and tell me all about it for there's some mystery in it now for the second thing but first a question does the pain prevent you talking about utterly unimportant things but talking sensibly of course not and i don't feel much pain now that's because your finger is in the water it must be changed directly for it will get warm in a minute yulia bring some ice from the cellar and another basin of water now she is gone i can speak will you give me the letter i sent you yesterday dear alexey fyodorovitch be quick for mamma will be back in a minute and i don't want i haven't got the letter that's not true you have i knew you would say that you've got it in that pocket i've been regretting that joke all night give me back the letter at once give it me i've left it at home but you can't consider me as a child a little girl after that silly joke 
i beg your pardon for that silliness but you must bring me the letter if you really haven't got it bring it to-day you must you must to-day i can't possibly for i am going back to the monastery and i shan't come and see you for the next two days three or four perhaps for father zossima four days what nonsense listen did you laugh at me very much i didn't laugh at all why not because i believed all you said you are insulting me not at all as soon as i read it i thought that all that would come to pass for as soon as father zossima dies i am to leave the monastery then i shall go back and finish my studies and when you reach the legal age we will be married i shall love you though i haven't had time to think about it i believe i couldn't find a better wife than you and father zossima tells me i must marry but i am a cripple wheeled about in a chair laughed lise flushing crimson i'll wheel you about myself but i'm sure you'll get well by then but you are mad said lise nervously to make all this nonsense out of a joke here's mamma very apropos perhaps mamma how slow you always are how can you be so long and here's yulia with the ice oh lise don't scream above all things don't scream that scream drives me how can i help it when you put the lint in another place i've been hunting and hunting i do believe you did it on purpose but i couldn't tell that he would come with a bad finger or else perhaps i might have done it on purpose my darling mamma you begin to say really witty things never mind my being witty but i must say you show nice feeling for alexey fyodorovitch's sufferings oh my dear alexey fyodorovitch what's killing me is no one thing in particular not herzenstube but everything together that's what is too much for me that's enough mamma enough about herzenstube lise laughed gaily make haste with the lint and the lotion mamma that's simply goulard's water alexey fyodorovitch i remember the name now but it's a splendid lotion would you believe it mamma on the way here he had a fight with the boys on the street and it was a boy bit his finger isn't he a child a child himself is he fit to be married after that for only fancy he wants to be married mamma just think of him married wouldn't it be funny wouldn't it be awful and lise kept laughing her thin hysterical giggle looking slyly at alyosha but why married lise what makes you talk of such a thing it's quite out of place and perhaps the boy was rabid why mamma as though there were rabid boys why not lise as though i had said something stupid your boy might have been bitten by a mad dog and he would become mad and bite anyone near him how well she has bandaged it alexey fyodorovitch i couldn't have done it do you still feel the pain it's nothing much now you don't feel afraid of water asked lise come that's enough lise perhaps i really was rather too quick talking of the boy being rabid but you pounced upon it at once katerina ivanovna has only just heard that you are here alexey fyodorovitch she simply rushed at me she's dying to see you dying ach mamma go to them yourself he can't go just now he is in too much pain not at all i can go quite well said alyosha what you are going away is that what you say 
well when i've seen them i'll come back here and we can talk as much as you like but i should like to see katerina ivanovna at once for i am very anxious to be back at the monastery as soon as i can mamma take him away quickly alexey fyodorovitch don't trouble to come and see me afterwards but go straight back to your monastery and a good riddance i want to sleep i didn't sleep all night ah lise you are only making fun but how i wish you would sleep cried madame holikoff i don't know what i've done i'll stay another three minutes five if you like muttered alyosha even five do take him away quickly mamma he is a monster lise you are crazy let us go alexey fyodorovitch she is too capricious to-day i am afraid to cross her oh the trouble one has with nervous girls perhaps she really will be able to sleep after seeing you how quickly you have made her sleepy and how fortunate it is ah mamma how sweetly you talk i must kiss you for it mamma and i kiss you too lise listen alexey fyodorovitch madame holikoff began mysteriously and importantly speaking in a rapid whisper i don't want to suggest anything i don't want to lift the veil you will see for yourself what's going on it's appalling it's the most fantastic farce she loves your brother ivan and she is doing her utmost to persuade herself she loves your brother dmitri it's appalling i'll go in with you and if they don't turn me out i'll stay to the end end of section twenty eight Section twenty nine of the Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Book four, chapter five. A laceration in the drawing room. But in the drawing room the conversation was already over. Katerina Ivanovna was greatly excited, though she looked resolute. At the moment Alyosha and Madame Holikoff entered, Ivan Fyodorovitch stood up to take leave. His face was rather pale, and Alyosha looked at him anxiously. For this moment was to solve a doubt, a harassing enigma which had for some time haunted Alyosha. During the preceding month it had been several times suggested to him that his brother Ivan was in love with Katerina Ivanovna, and, what was more, that he meant to carry her off from Dmitri until quite lately the idea seemed to alyosha monstrous though it worried him extremely he loved both his brothers and dreaded such rivalry between them meantime dmitri had said outright on the previous day that he was glad that ivan was his rival and that it was a great assistance to him dmitri in what way did it assist him to marry grushenka but that alyosha considered the worst thing possible besides all this alyosha had till the evening before implicitly believed that katerina ivanovna had a steadfast and passionate love for dmitri but he had only believed it till the evening before he had fancied too that she was incapable of loving a man like ivan and that she did love dmitri and loved him just as he was in spite of all the strangeness of such a passion but during yesterday's scene with grushenka another idea had struck him the word lacerating which madame holikoff had just uttered 
almost made him start because half waking up towards daybreak that night he had cried out laceration laceration probably applying it to his dream he had been dreaming all night of the previous day's scene at katerina ivanovna's now alyosha was impressed by madame holikoff's blunt and persistent assertion that katerina ivanovna was in love with ivan and only deceived herself through some sort of pose from self-laceration and tortured herself by her pretended love for dmitri from some fancied duty of gratitude yes he thought perhaps the whole truth lies in those words but in that case what was ivan's position alyosha felt instinctively that a character like katerina ivanovna's must dominate and she could only dominate some one like dmitri and never a man like ivan for dmitri might at last submit to her domination to his own happiness which was what alyosha would have desired but ivan no ivan could not submit to her and such submission would not give him happiness Alyosha could not help believing that of Ivan. And now all these doubts and reflections flitted through his mind as he entered the drawing-room. Another idea, too, forced itself upon him. What if she loved neither of them, neither Ivan nor Dmitri? It must be noted that Alyosha felt as it were ashamed of his own thoughts, and blamed himself when they kept recurring to him during the last month what do i know about love and women and how can i decide such questions he thought reproachfully after such doubts and surmises and yet it was impossible not to think about it he felt instinctively that this rivalry was of immense importance in his brother's lives and that a great deal depended upon it one reptile will devour the other ivan had pronounced the day before speaking in anger of his father and dmitri so ivan looked upon dmitri as a reptile and perhaps had long done so was it perhaps since he had known katerina ivanovna that phrase had of course escaped ivan unawares yesterday but that only made it more important if he felt like that what chance was there of peace were there not on the contrary new grounds for hatred and hostility in their family and with which of them was alyosha to sympathize and what was he to wish for each of them he loved them both but what could he desire for each in the midst of these conflicting interests he might go quite astray in this maze and alyosha's heart could not endure uncertainty because his love was always of an active character he was incapable of passive love if he loved any one he set to work at once to help him and to do so he must know what he was aiming at he must know for certain what was best for each and having ascertained this it was natural for him to help them both but instead of a definite aim he found nothing but uncertainty and perplexity on all sides it was lacerating as was said just now but what could he understand even in this laceration he did not understand the first word in this perplexing maze seeing alyosha katerina ivanovna said quickly and joyfully to ivan who had already got up to go a minute stay another minute i want to hear the opinion of this person here whom i trust absolutely don't go away she added addressing madame holikoff 
she made alyosha sit down beside her and madame holikoff sat opposite by ivan you are all my friends here all i have in the world my dear friends she began warmly in a voice which quivered with genuine tears of suffering and alyosha's heart warmed to her at once you alexey fyodorovitch were witness yesterday of that abominable scene and saw what i did you did not see it ivan fyodorovitch he did what he thought of me yesterday i don't know i only know one thing that if it were repeated to-day this minute i should express the same feelings again as yesterday the same feelings the same words the same actions you remember my actions alexey fyodorovitch you checked me in one of them as she said that she flushed and her eyes shone i must tell you that i can't get over it listen alexey fyodorovitch i don't even know whether i still love him i feel pity for him and that is a poor sign of love if i loved him if i still loved him perhaps i shouldn't be sorry for him now but should hate him her voice quivered and tears glittered on her eyelashes alyosha shuddered inwardly that girl is truthful and sincere he thought and she does not love dmitri any more that's true that's true cried madame holikoff wait dear i haven't told you the chief the final decision i came to during the night i feel that perhaps my decision is a terrible one for me but i foresee that nothing will induce me to change it nothing it will be so all my life my dear kind ever faithful and generous adviser the one friend i have in the world ivan fyodorovitch with his deep insight into the heart approves and commends my decision he knows it yes i approve of it ivan assented in a subdued but firm voice but i should like alyosha too ah alexey fyodorovitch forgive my calling you simply alyosha i should like alexey fyodorovitch too to tell me before my two friends whether i am right i feel instinctively that you alyosha my dear brother for you are a dear brother to me she said again ecstatically taking his cold hand in her hot one i foresee that your decision your approval will bring me peace in spite of all my sufferings for after your words i shall be calm and submit i feel that i don't know what you are asking me said alyosha flushing i only know that i love you and at this moment wish for your happiness more than my own but i know nothing about such affairs something impelled him to add hurriedly in such affairs alexey fyodorovitch in such affairs the chief thing is honour and duty and something higher i don't know what but higher perhaps even than duty i am conscious of this irresistible feeling in my heart and it compels me irresistibly but it may all be put in two words i've already decided even if he marries that creature she began solemnly whom i never never can forgive even then i will not abandon him henceforward i will never never abandon him she cried breaking into a sort of pale hysterical ecstasy not that i would run after him continually get in his way and worry him oh no i will go away to another town where you like but i will watch over him all my life i will watch over him all my life unceasingly 
when he becomes unhappy with that woman and that is bound to happen quite soon let him come to me and he will find a friend a sister only a sister of course and so for ever but he will learn at least that that sister is really his sister who loves him and has sacrificed all her life to him i will gain my point i will insist on his knowing me and confiding entirely in me without reserve she cried in a sort of frenzy i will be a god to whom he can pray and that at least he owes me for his treachery and for what i have suffered yesterday through him and let him see that all my life i will be true to him and the promise i gave him in spite of his being untrue and betraying me i will i will become nothing but a means for his happiness or how shall i say an instrument a machine for his happiness and that for my whole life my whole life and that he may see that all his life that's my decision ivan fyodorovitch fully approves me she was breathless she had perhaps intended to express her idea with more dignity art and naturalness but her speech was too hurried and crude it was full of youthful impulsiveness it betrayed that she was still smarting from yesterday's insult and that her pride craved satisfaction she felt this herself her face suddenly darkened an unpleasant look came into her eyes alyosha at once saw it and felt a pang of sympathy his brother ivan made it worse by adding i've only expressed my own view he said from anyone else this would have been affected and overstrained but from you no any other woman would have been wrong but you are right i don't know how to explain it but i see that you are absolutely genuine and therefore you are right but that's only for the moment and what does this moment stand for nothing but yesterday's insult madame holikoff obviously had not intended to interfere but she could not refrain from this very just comment quite so quite so cried ivan with peculiar eagerness obviously annoyed at being interrupted in anyone else this moment would be only due to yesterday's impression and would be only a moment but with katerina ivanovna's character that moment will last all her life what for anyone else would be only a promise is for her an everlasting burdensome grim perhaps but unflagging duty and she will be sustained by the feeling of this duty being fulfilled your life katerina ivanovna will henceforth be spent in painful brooding over your own feelings your own heroism and your own suffering but in the end that suffering will be softened and will pass into sweet contemplation of the fulfilment of a bold and proud design yes proud it certainly is and desperate in any case but a triumph for you and the consciousness of it will at last be a source of complete satisfaction and will make you resigned to everything else this was unmistakably said with some malice and obviously with intention even perhaps with no desire to conceal that he spoke ironically and with intention oh dear how mistaken it all is madame holikoff cried again alexey fyodorovitch you speak i want dreadfully to know what you will say cried katerina ivanovna and burst into tears alyosha got up from the sofa 
it's nothing nothing she went on through her tears i'm upset i didn't sleep last night but by the side of two such friends as you and your brother i still feel strong for i know you two will never desert me unluckily i am obliged to return to moscow perhaps to-morrow and to leave you for a long time and unluckily it's unavoidable ivan said suddenly to-morrow to moscow her face was suddenly contorted but but dear me how fortunate she cried in a voice suddenly changed in one instant there was no trace left of her tears she underwent an instantaneous transformation which amazed alyosha instead of a poor insulted girl weeping in a sort of laceration he saw a woman completely self-possessed and even exceedingly pleased as though something agreeable had just happened oh not fortunate that i am losing you of course not she corrected herself suddenly with a charming society smile such a friend as you are could not suppose that i am only too unhappy at losing you she rushed impulsively at ivan and seizing both his hands pressed them warmly but what is fortunate is that you will be able in moscow to see auntie and agafia and to tell them all the horror of my present position you can speak with complete openness to agafia but spare dear auntie you will know how to do that you can't think how wretched i was yesterday and this morning wondering how i could write them that dreadful letter for one can never tell such things in a letter now it will be easy for me to write for you will see them and explain everything oh how glad i am but i am only glad of that believe me of course no one can take your place i will run at once to write the letter she finished suddenly and took a step as though to go out of the room and what about alyosha and his opinion which you were so desperately anxious to hear cried madame holikoff there was a sarcastic angry note in her voice i had not forgotten that cried katerina ivanovna coming to a sudden standstill and why are you so antagonistic at such a moment she added with warm and bitter reproachfulness what i said i repeat i must have his opinion more than that i must have his decision as he says so it shall be you see how anxious i am for your words alexey fyodorovitch but what's the matter i couldn't have believed it i can't understand it alyosha cried suddenly in distress what what he is going to moscow and you cry out that you are glad you said that on purpose and you begin explaining that you are not glad of that but sorry to be losing a friend but that was acting too you were playing a part as in a theatre in a theatre what what do you mean exclaimed katerina ivanovna profoundly astonished flushing crimson and frowning though you assure him you are sorry to lose a friend in him you persist in telling him to his face that it's fortunate he is going said alyosha breathlessly he was standing at the table and did not sit down what are you talking about i don't understand i don't understand myself i seemed to see in a flash i know i'm not saying it properly but i'll say it all the same alyosha went on in the same shaking and broken voice what i see is that perhaps you don't love dmitri at all and never have from the beginning 
and dmitri too has never loved you and only esteems you i really don't know how i dare to say all this but somebody must tell the truth for nobody here will tell the truth what truth cried katerina ivanovna and there was an hysterical ring in her voice i'll tell you alyosha went on with desperate haste as though he were jumping from the top of a house call dmitri i will fetch him and let him come here and take your hand and take ivan's and join your hands for you're torturing ivan simply because you love him and torturing him because you love dmitri through self-laceration with an unreal love because you've persuaded yourself alyosha broke off and was silent you 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 are a little religious idiot that's what you are katerina ivanovna snapped her face was white and her lips were moving with anger ivan suddenly laughed and got up his hat was in his hand you are mistaken my good alyosha he said with an expression alyosha had never seen in his face before an expression of youthful sincerity and strong irresistibly frank feeling katerina ivanovna has never cared for me she has known all the time that i cared for her though i never said a word of my love to her she knew but she didn't care for me i have never been her friend either not for one moment she is too proud to need my friendship she kept me at her side as a means of revenge she revenged with me and on me all the insults which she has been continually receiving from dmitri ever since their first meeting for even that first meeting has rankled in her heart as an insult that's what her heart is like she has talked to me of nothing but her love for him i'm going now but believe me katerina ivanovna you really love him and the more he insults you the more you love him that's your laceration you love him just as he is you love him for insulting you if he reformed you'd give him up at once and cease to love him but you need him so as to contemplate continually your heroic fidelity and to reproach him for infidelity and it all comes from your pride oh there's a great deal of humiliation and self-abasement about it but it all comes from pride i am too young and i've loved you too much i know that i ought not to say this that it would be more dignified on my part simply to leave you and it would be less offensive for you but i am going far away and shall never come back it is forever i don't want to sit beside a laceration but i don't know how to speak now i've said everything good-bye katerina ivanovna you can't be angry with me for i am a hundred times more severely punished than you if only by the fact that i shall never see you again good-bye i don't want your hand you have tortured me too deliberately for me to be able to forgive you at this moment i shall forgive you later but now i don't want your hand then dank dama beger ich nicht he added with a forced smile showing however that he could read schiller and read him till he knew him by heart which alyosha would never have believed he went out of the room without saying good-bye even to his hostess madame holikoff alyosha clasped his hands ivan he cried desperately after him come back ivan no nothing will induce him to come back now he cried again regretfully realizing it but it's my fault my fault i began it 
ivan spoke angrily wrongly unjustly and angrily he must come back here come back alyosha kept exclaiming frantically katerina ivanovna went suddenly into the next room you have done no harm you behaved beautifully like an angel madame holikoff whispered rapidly and ecstatically to alyosha i will do my utmost to prevent ivan fyodorovitch from going her face beamed with delight to the great distress of alyosha but katerina ivanovna suddenly returned she had two hundred rouble notes in her hand i have a great favour to ask of you alexey fyodorovitch she began addressing alyosha with an apparently calm and even voice as though nothing had happened a week yes i think it was a week ago dmitri fyodorovitch was guilty of a hasty and unjust action a very ugly action there is a low tavern here and in it he met that discharged officer that captain whom your father used to employ in some business dmitri fyodorovitch somehow lost his temper with this captain seized him by the beard and dragged him out into the street and for some distance along it in that insulting fashion and i am told that his son a boy quite a child who is at the school here saw it and ran beside them crying and begging for his father appealing to every one to defend him while every one laughed you must forgive me alexey fyodorovitch i cannot think without indignation of that disgraceful action of his one of those actions of which only dmitri fyodorovitch would be capable in his anger and in his passions i can't describe it even i can't find my words i've made inquiries about his victim and find he is quite a poor man his name is snegiryov he did something wrong in the army and was discharged i can't tell you what and now he has sunk into terrible destitution with his family an unhappy family of sick children and i believe an insane wife he has been living here a long time he used to work as a copying clerk but now he is getting nothing i thought if you that is i thought i don't know i am so confused you see i wanted to ask you my dear alexey fyodorovitch to go to him to find some excuse to go to them i mean to that captain oh goodness how badly i explain it and delicately carefully as only you know how to alyosha blushed manage to give him this assistance these two hundred roubles he will be sure to take it i mean persuade him to take it or rather what do i mean you see it's not by way of compensation to prevent him from taking proceedings for i believe he meant to but simply a token of sympathy of a desire to assist him from me dmitri fyodorovitch is betrothed not from himself but you know i would go myself but you'll know how to do it ever so much better he lives in lake street in the house of a woman called kalmikov for god's sake alexey fyodorovitch do it for me and now now i am rather tired good-bye she turned and disappeared behind the portiere so quickly that alyosha had not time to utter a word though he wanted to speak he longed to beg her pardon to blame himself to say something for his heart was full and he could not bear to go out of the room without it but madame holikoff took him by the hand and drew him along with her in the hall she stopped him again as before she is proud she is struggling with herself but kind charming generous 
she exclaimed in a half whisper oh how i love her especially sometimes and how glad i am again of everything dear alexey fyodorovitch you didn't know but i must tell you that we all all both her aunts i and all of us lise even have been hoping and praying for nothing for the last month but that she may give up your favorite dmitri who takes no notice of her and does not care for her and may marry ivan fyodorovitch such an excellent and cultivated young man who loves her more than anything in the world we are in a regular plot to bring it about and i am even staying on here perhaps on that account but she has been crying she has been wounded again cried alyosha never trust a woman's tears alexey fyodorovitch i am never for the women in such cases i am always on the side of the men mamma you are spoiling him lise's little voice cried from behind the door no it was all my fault i am horribly to blame alyosha repeated unconsoled hiding his face in his hands in an agony of remorse for his indiscretion quite the contrary you behaved like an angel like an angel i am ready to say so a thousand times over mamma how has he behaved like an angel lise's voice was heard again i somehow fancied all at once alyosha went on as though he had not heard lise that she loved ivan and so i said that stupid thing what will happen now to whom to whom cried lise mamma you really want to be the death of me i ask you and you don't answer at the moment the maid ran in katerina ivanovna is ill she is crying struggling hysterics what is the matter cried lise in a tone of real anxiety mamma i shall be having hysterics and not she lise for mercy's sake don't scream don't persecute me at your age one can't know everything that grown-up people know i'll come and tell you everything you ought to know oh mercy on us i am coming i am coming hysterics is a good sign alexey fyodorovitch it's an excellent thing that she is hysterical that's just as it ought to be in such cases i am always against the woman against all these feminine tears and hysterics run and say yulia that i'll fly to her as for ivan fyodorovitch's going away like that it's her own fault but he won't go away please for mercy's sake don't scream oh yes you are not screaming it's i am screaming forgive your mamma but i am delighted 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 did you notice alexey fyodorovitch how young how young ivan fyodorovitch was just now when he went out when he said all that and went out i thought he was so learned such a savant and all of a sudden he behaved so warmly openly and youthfully with such youthful inexperience and it was all so fine like you and the way he repeated that german verse it was just like you but i must fly i must fly alexey fyodorovitch make haste to carry out her commission and then make haste back please do you want anything now for mercy's sake don't keep alexey fyodorovitch a minute he will come back to you at once madame holakoff at last ran off before leaving alyosha would have opened the door to see lise on no account cried lise on no account now speak through the door how have you come to be an angel that's the only thing i want to know 
for an awful piece of stupidity lise good-bye don't dare to go away like that lise was beginning lise i have a real sorrow i will be back directly but i have a great great sorrow and he ran out of the room end of section twenty nine everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars limited time only price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer single item at regular price Ba da ba ba ba